Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another instalment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the film's reference and no infringement is intended. Geeks! Geeks! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every single Friday we take you through another installment in the classic horror retrospective franchise. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me throughout all of the I Know What Urban Legend you did last summer what? movies. Yes. Yes. Alexander Chard. Hello. Christina Masterson. Hello. Bringing back our 90s crew, and that's what they'll call us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, us three covered not only Star Wars, but Scream was at end of last year, whenever it was. Some point. It was. No, it was actually ages ago, wasn't it? It was last summer. Summer of yeah. 2018. It was that long ago? That's what yeah. we did last summer. Jeez. Was the <laughs> yeah. Scream series. And everyone should head on over to weirdgeeks.com where you can branch out to our social medias. You can email us directly through there or at mail at weirdgeeks.com. And please, please, please go to iTunes, type in weirdgeeks. Find a little image of the two ladies who are looking like they're having a great fucking time. Look to the right of them, a little bit lower. That's us. We're there. Subscribe. Rate to us. It's the only way you can help us out. We're not going to do any patrons. We're not going to do any banner ads. And we're not going to try and sell you any whips. I mean, no. I don't have surplus whips, to be fair. I have a <laughs> limited picks? amount. We won't. Nope. No ice picks. Does anybody use an ice pick nowadays? Is that a thing still? I mean, and I know what you did last summer was a thing. Is yeah, that true. what that thing's called? Yeah, it's an ice pick. I don't think that thing's real. <laughs> I feel like that thing was invented for this scene, but who knows? Oh. Yeah. I don't do much time gutting fish, to be honest, in or ice blocks and docks of tiny Dawson's Creek towns <laughs> in another life. What are we doing? So, yes, I, we just got off the back of a weird series where we did our first Versus series with uh, Katie Watson and Shannon Holder. Uh, where we tackled every 80 slasher film that had been remained that we hadn't already covered. So, no Friday 13th, blah, blah, blah. Will Shannon ever be coming back for a horror retrospective, do you think? No. <laughs> no. Just flat out broke her. <laughs> the thing is, I think she enjoyed doing the show. Like, she enjoyed getting to, like, chat each week, watch films analytically, tear them apart. I think as an actor, she really enjoyed that and she writes stuff as well. So, I think it was useful. But slashes were maybe the worst thing. And I think she would have enjoyed the 90s ones more mm. because she's really into Buffy. She's really into like, you know, that's part of her zeitgeist. Whereas 80s, there is a grimier feel to them that I think upset her. <laughs> I feel you, Shannon. I feel you. But yeah, we originally were going to be covering something else here. And then our scheduling changed for the year, which we'll get to later in the series because of what we're doing next, which I'm kind of excited about. And so we were left with a weird gap where we needed seven films, well, six films and one wrap up. And I was racking my brain of what to do, guys. 
What could we do, Al? What could happen? I was looking for a list. So, we have that list that we all have, which has all these, fran- every, pretty much every horror genre franchise that we're considering, including Leprechaun and things like that. What about Saw? Is Saw on that list? I will not ever be covering the Saw franchise. Alex, I think I might have mentioned that before. And I was really in the mood for some more slasher movies because there's, there's one thing that watching slasher movies makes me want to do is watch more slasher movies. And then I had an idea that I really wanted to cover all of the kind of... There are all these like layabout 90s slasher movies uh, like Cut and other films, uh, The Pool, <laughs> uh, Ripper, a whole bunch. And I thought, well, in order to justify doing that, I don't want to go from one weird series to another weird series of just random films. I want to do something concentrated. We've done Scream. We've done some of the other 90s slashes in the other series. So, Bride of Chucky, Halloween, H2O, these guys. But we still had an Naughty Did Last Summer and Urban Legend left over. Now, these two films are joined in a whole bunch of ways that we'll get to as we go through anyway. So, I was like, well, why not tidy these guys up? Let's just get through all six of these movies, do them as one big retrospective, and then our wrap-up is going to cover both of these films series. You're together. crazy. You're crazy. I know. Insane. But that's what we're doing. <laughs> so, we're going to have six films starting with I Know What You Did Last Summer. The next week, I still know what you did last summer. Then a week after that, I'll always know what you did last <laughs> summer. <laughs> then a week after that, we're going to go Urban Legend. Then Urban Legend's Final Cut. Then Urban Legend's Bloody Mary. And then we're going to do a wrap up, which is I Know What Urban Legend You Did Last Summer, where we're going to Love rank it. all of these as one body of work because they are of a similar ilk and producers and all that fun stuff. And then some point way in the future, we then are free to do what the fuck we want with those other 90 slashes. So, guys, your history with I Know What You Did Last Summer, I think we might have a horror show first where all three of us have already seen this film. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even Christina has seen this movie before. Yeah. Yes. Which is interesting. How long had it been since you had last revisited it, Christina? I must have seen it when it first came out. And there were specific things I remembered, but honestly, watching it now, it was like watching a whole new movie. I knew just a couple things about it, and I was shocked how much I didn't remember. So it was like watching it for the first time almost. It's been a long time. I mean, you know, it's yeah. over 20. It's like 22 years now mm-hmm. since it hit cinemas, which is yeah. makes me feel really old because oh, I remember boy. distinctly when this film came out, like mm. the, the, what I was doing, how excited I was about it. Scream had got everyone pumped. I just started watching the Friday 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. So, I kind of came to 90s and 80s slashes at the same time, which is why I think I like both. And I do think we're going to have to address it throughout the series because I know particularly some of the, our new listeners are big horror fans, 80s slasher fans. Most horror fans hate the 90s for horror. Fuck you, 90s! <laughs> and hate 90s slasher films, with maybe the exception of Scream 1. But I have a real love for some of these films, but we're going to be trying, obviously, to judge these objectively and not just through nostalgia, but it is hard to separate. It's very hard. Things. Mm-hmm. I remember this being a big deal when it came out. Was that just me oh, yeah. or was that everybody? No, it was a huge deal. We'll get to the budget and gross in a minute, but it was... A big deal. Um, and this was, I think everyone remembers this resurgence of slasher films after Scream. And there weren't actually that many that the public noticed. That's why I want to do this other list later of the ones the public didn't really notice. And it has a loose terminology. They call it, what is it, uh, slasher revival and a new age slashes, I think is what they call it. Mm. Yeah, slash revival and new age slashes. Which it's got a weird time bracket that different people have different interpretations from. Most people, and myself included, it's 1996 through to 2003. So, it's not just the 90s, but that's because the effect was felt. And obviously, there are many other films that then 
still, you know, replicate 90s style. So there was like Crywolf later, there was Venom, which we'll definitely be talking about later because there's a lot of the same people who did this. Uh, Cold Prey, ATM, Most Likely to Die. Like these are all films which are very much in the 90s style of slashers. But the real, that age, it was 96 to 2003. And I would say it ended with Wishcraft. It was pretty much the, the end of that. And yeah, some of the films in this series won't be from the 90s, but they definitely still have that vibe um, to them. Uh, Alex, you went to these pretty recently, didn't you? Yeah, so I probably, f- this came out in 97. So this, you know, has does have a lot of nostalgia attached for me because it was as I was entering my teens and finally sort of starting to go to the movies with my friends without parents, basically. So there's a lot with of those girls. kind of memories. With girls. Oh, my God, the <laughs> memories. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> Is that you remember? Is that you just remembering girls, Alex? It's just me remembering <laughs> the rejection <laughs> and the loneliness. So it has a lot of it, that nostalgia attached to it, and yeah, like this was. I remember this movie being a huge deal at the time, and you know Jennifer Love Hewitt, Freddie Prinze Jr., Ryan Felipe, Sarah Michelle Gellar—they were all huge stars at yeah. the time as well. Like they all had either TV shows like Jennifer Love Hewitt, Party Five, Sarah Michelle Gellar was on Buffy. Ryan Felipe was already doing a bunch of films. Freddie Prince Jr. was Freddie Prince <laughs> Jr. Was a prince. Was a prince. So yeah, there's definitely that nostalgia attached, which is a little hard to detach from. Um, but yeah, I did revisit these recently when we were watching when we were going through the Scream retrospective. I didn't realize going into that that the Scream uh, creator Kevin Williamson was also the creator of this. So I decided to watch the first two films while we were doing Scream. So, it's all still very fresh in my mind. So, Hannah, neither of you have seen I'll Always Be- uh, Sorry, no, we did last summer then, the third part. Yeah, I haven't seen the third part. haven't seen it. I don't think I've seen the second or the third, actually. Okay. That's good. That's a good mix then. And I think it's the same for me with Urban Legends. I've seen the first two and I haven't seen the third. Well, the third one of both of these came quite a bit later and went straight to DVD, essentially, but we'll get to those when we get to them. So, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, these were- it's a very particular place that these were coming out in. It was when MTV had become, you know, an enormous thing. And, like, that style was coming over into movies. Scream had just come out and Slashers were back, but with a postmodern sort of twist on them, which I guess now would be called Meta. And which I do. And I remember, like, when I first saw this, I absolutely loved it. And I liked it a little bit more than Scream. And I think I went on record in our Scream series and mm-hmm. in actually our H2O series to say, like, my, my three favorite slasher films of the 90s was uh, H2O, then I know we did Last Summer, and then Scream. But I think there's a good argument for any of those being a favorite. And I know some people are probably screaming at me right now because a lot of people hate H2O, but fine. And a lot of people hate this movie. And I haven't been back to this movie actually in quite a long time. So I was really interested to go back. And quite often with these series, you know, you go back and you're like, oh, okay. The reality is very different from what your memory has of a film. Mm-hmm. But we will get into it. But before we get into it, guys like to look at those landscapes of the years. 1997, what exactly was going on there? Alex, you have the worldwide gross, do you? I do. I have the list. Um, and the thing I want to mention, because we were all in the Star Wars retrospective, in 97, uh, in the build-up to the release of The Phantom Menace, which came out in 98, all of the original Star Wars were re-released cinematically as special editions. That's true. With all the bullshit added in. <laughs> With all the bullshit added in. And they sort of alluded throughout the top 
50, I guess, but Star Wars came in at 11 and grossed 256 million. It's not bad for a film that had already been out for, what, 20 years? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Well, since we're on this Star Wars topic. Oh, what's happening? (laughs) She's hijacking the show. (laughs) Uh, No, I noticed when I was looking everybody up and seeing like what they did after, I know what you did last summer. Who is it? It is Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. were voices on Star Wars Rebels. Did you know that? Wait, really? Did not yeah, know that. Yeah, an animation series. Yeah, Rebels is good. I mean, that yeah, was pretty Rebels recent. Is, is that still going or did that finish? I think that. I, I think don't that's know. That's all I know about it, actually. No, no, no. <laughs> well, that was more for Alex because he's the nerd. <laughs> the Star Wars. Nerd. Did you know that, Alex? I did not know that. I did not know that. Christina looks very pleased with herself right now. She got some Star Wars knowledge that Alex didn't know. Christina, gives us another crazy, huh? Reason. I give you that is that is weird. Three stars. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Sarah Michelle Gellar. I'm more surprised with Freddie Prince Jr. I'm not surprised if he's doing anything, and like, or mm. rather, I am surprised if he's doing anything. So yeah, yeah, I you know, and they were also on Scooby Doo together. That I makes, yeah, definitely that knew that. Sense. And Sarah, Freddie, and Ryan were voices on Robert, no, Robot Chicken. Oh, really? I love I this. I love Robot Chicken. Yeah, I isn't love, that crazy? I love this trivia. And they they've all worked so much. They've all worked so much together. <laughs> mm. And, of course, Sarah and Ryan were on Cruel Attentions. Yep. Oh, yes. I mean, and then it's like yeah. you're saying, Alex, like all these actors were just crossing over so much like these were i mean maybe when i know it did last summer came out they weren't quite at the height you know the year after that and the year mm-hmm. after that maybe but, but after- this is right on the cusp yeah, yeah. For, all of, for all these actors um Seriously. other than general fluff hewitt which was already doing you know pretty well because of party five and then mm-hmm. this it changed her whole career this film but alex sorry top 10 films <clears throat> actually i went back and watched the first episode of party of five recently Ooh, I want to watch Ooh. it. I should go back. <laughs> was it not good? Because I used to, I used to love that show, but I used to love maybe that now show I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it's definitely of its time. I'm going back and watching Dawson's Creek, which I'm sure will come up throughout this. Was really fun to get back into. Mm. Really, really fun. But Party of Five was a bit of a struggle. Anyway, coming in at number ten okay. was The Full Monty. Ooh, a British film. British hit. Ten. Yep. Very nice. Uh, coming in at number nine, uh, The Fifth Element. I'm the only person in the world who doesn't like it. We've covered that before. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, I thought you did. I love that film. No, I hate that film. <laughs> love that film. <laughs> <laughs> coming in at number eight, um, My Best Friend's Wedding with Katie Julia Katie has a soundtrack Roberts. to this film. <laughs> She's listened to it all the time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> at number seven, Liar, Liar. Yeah, back when Jim Carrey- was not dramatic. Yep. Just before his dramatic turn. Yep. Yeah. Um, coming in at number six, Jack Nicholson film um, with Helen Hunt and Greg Kinnear, As Good As It Gets. God, was that 97? Fuck. Yep. That was a long time ago. Coming in at number five, the Harrison Ford film, Air Force One. <laughs> Man, I forgot he did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all the blockbusters in that period were so funny, weren't they? And a lot yep. of them had something to do with planes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, because actually this same year, Con Air came out. I think I saw that oh, somewhere on the list. Yeah. Number was that, that wasn't in the top 10? Con Air didn't get in no, the top 10? No, it was 17. That's crazy. But Air Force One did? Yeah. That's insane. Who's Different. talking about Air Force One now? But Different. everyone still mentions Con Air. 
Yeah. I don't know well, any of these movies. I think it's I mean, more the lucky. Nick Cage factor and how he looked in Con I think Air. it's the uh, the Coos factor in Con Air. <laughs> John Cusack does a great performance. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go back and watch that. Coming in number four, the Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies. Now, is this the last Pierce Brosnan Bond? I mean, why not? So, I then really there's a lot of action movies, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. 90s were a lot of action movies. Like, it's very impossible to state to people just how big, like, 90s movies were tentpole events and true tentpole events. Like, people queued around the block to yeah. get into Apollo 13. I was in a fucking queue around the block to get into that. You queued around the block <laughs> to get into The Lion King. Like, yeah. it was, these were, there were huge events that you just, everyone went to. Mm. Whereas nowadays, you just book online if it's sold out. Mm, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. I'll go to the other session. Yeah. It's like- in, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Coming in at, <laughs> in Perfect at, analogy. <laughs> Love it. Coming in at number three. Now, this is a series franchise that is going to be rebooted this year, and that is Men in Black. It <laughs> is? Yep, yeah. with Men- MIB International. Wow. I know. I mean, I never thought this series would keep going, to be honest. It's kind of bewildering, but mm. it potters along, doing its own thing. And number two, I think Al and I have both mentioned that this is possibly our favorite in the franchise, The Lost World Jurassic Park. Because <laughs> we really just love pissing people off. <laughs> um, to be clear, I think the first 40 minutes is terrible, but mm. I really love it when it gets to the island stuff a lot. I think yep. it's, I think oh, it's yeah. very underrated. The first 40 is bad. And also, there's just one bit that oh, really yeah. upsets me. There's an acrobatic the end of the film. bit that's very upsetting. <laughs> it's just very upsetting. Um, and coming in number one. Now, let me just say, Lost World pulled in $600 million. The number haul. one film pulled in $2.1 billion. What? Jeez. Any, any guesses as to what this historic, well, crazy landmark film which, is? We should know because only four films have passed $2 billion. And they are Avatar, Infinity War. Is it? Uh, they, I think Jurassic World did or something else did. Fuck, what else passed two billion? There's literally only four or five of them. I don't know. I'll don't give you know. a hint. James Cameron. Oh, so Titanic. Titanic. Oh, I loved Titanic. Of Titanic. <laughs> I did. I believe it. I loved it. I that was it. a huge <laughs> film. Yeah. In my James childhood. Cameron films past two billion. Teenage years. MC Disney films. Yeah, so it pulled in 600, uh, 600 uh, million domestically, which was still wow. 400 more than uh, Lost World. And then overseas, it pulled in 1.5. If there's one thing that people love, it's seeing true stories of people dying in tragic accidents. <laughs> It's a love story, Al. That's what people love. The love story. Sure. There was enough room for Leo and on that yeah, who, on that plank. There was. Who there did was. not love Leo back then? No. Thank you very much, Alex. That was very illuminating and a nice little trip down memory lane. Christina, what horror films were happening in 1997? Okay, so I have <laughs> Alien Resurrection. Oh, that's Ooh. what it went weird with French directors. Yep. We have, which I think I've seen this one, uh, An American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> I think I've seen oh, that I hope one. you haven't seen that. So you mm-hmm. might have seen in London, which was like the eighties one. That's kind of a comedy. Paris is like really bad. Okay, then maybe I did. Very it. bad. But I mean, you might have. You've seen some bad films in your time. I so. just remember watching a werewolf 
old werewolf movie. Let's say it's this one. Okay. <laughs> we got Anaconda. Of course. That was with, uh, isn't that Jennifer Lopez? Yeah, no, no Wilson. Idea. Is that Owen I Wilson? Think, I think he's in that. There's no way to be sure. Oh, yes, there okay. is. <laughs> Should I look it up for you guys? No, it's fine. No, it's fine. I'm Alex looking. Okay. I'm, I'm looking you, you got your okay. list to handle. <clears throat> we have Cube. Cube is fucking great. It is. Like, it's, it's, well, yeah, the acting's really bad, um, but earnest. And God, I am watching it a long time to, <laughs> to be honest. But it's this really cheap sci-fi horror film um, where they basically built 1.5 rooms of a set with this really cool, clever idea. Um, which I don't really want to spoil, but it's been mimicked a lot since. It was a really important little indie sci-fi horror film. It's really cool. Cool. Jennifer Lopez confirmed, as well as mm. Owen Wilson, Eric Stoltz, John Voight, Ice Cube, and Danny Trejo. Wow. Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Wonder if he's melted Cube now. Oh my god. <laughs> Good one, Al. <laughs> okay, let's move on. We have <laughs> Event Horizon. PT, uh, not PT, uh, the evil Paul Anderson's maybe mm. only decent film, I think. Mm. I never knew this existed, Leprechaun 4 in space. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we'll get there one day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being scared of Leprechaun. I mean, as you should be. Yeah. We have Mimic. It's Guillermo de Toro's first American movie. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's much better than people, I think, remember it. It's good. Next, we have Night of the Demons 3. It's just down there because Night of the Demons. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen 3, to be honest, but Night of the Demons is a classic 80s okay. horror film. That's a lot of fun. We have The Relic. This is kind of in the same vein as Mimic, set in a museum. Uh, with like this it was that. a creature feature. There are quite a few creature features. Um, next, we have Scream 2. So, Scream 2 came out the same year as I Know What You Did Last Summer. Is that why Scream 2 was so bad? Well, as also you might notice as we'll go through, there's some ideas that were sort of copied and pasted between all of these movies and H2O as well. But yeah, that was next year. Interesting. Which Kevin Williamson was involved with all these movies and occasionally might have slipped with, yeah, the copy-paste button on his screenwriting duties. I see. Um, <laughs> and next we got uh, The Ugly. Yeah, we talked about this before. I think it's Australian horror film. It's pretty cool, actually. It's got very black blood and it's sort of psychological. I like the name. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a stylish cover. And then last but not least, we have Wishmaster. But is yeah, it least? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say. This is, yeah. I know it's actually made by someone I think who worked on Hellraiser originally. And mm-hmm. it's, it's they, these are really bad, but very silly and kind of fun little okay. camp B-movies. So you go. So cool. we're coming out in a time of, yeah, slasher films and creature features, but not loads, not loads of stuff. Um, it was a weird time and money was getting pumped into these movies. So... This uh, gets a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. 5.7 out of 10. Yeah, I, which I was really surprised when I saw low. that. Yeah. Yeah. That is low. Directed by Jim Gillespie, who's a Scottish dude who would go on to direct Detox with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Jim Gillespie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I noticed that he hasn't done much since. No. And this was Why? his first feature, uh, proper feature. Yeah, and it's weird. Well, I mean, we'll get to it. Uh, yeah, but he did Venom a few years later with Kevin Williamson, executive producing that, when they were trying to start their own slasher series. And we'll talk about that in a wrap-up, I feel. Written by... Well, it's based on a book by Lewis Duncan, uh, which I have right here, guys. I'm reading what? it right now. I apologize. I'm not through Whoa. it in time. I will get to it in time for the wrap-up. 
we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Kevin Williamson, of course, wrote it, who wrote Scream, wrote The Vampire Diaries, the following TV show, Hidden Palms, which I really like, actually. Uh, Cursed, The Faculty, and Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Important. Uh, DP'd by Dennis Crozan, who had gone to do the whole Agent Cody Banks, The Pink Panther 2, and some of the Into the Badlands TV show. And music by John Debney, who did Cutthroat Island, The Relic, Inspector Gadget, Spy Kids, The Princess Diaries, The Scorpion King, Bruce Almighty, Sin City, Chicken Little, Iron Man 2, Predators, <laughs> and The Jungle Book. I do got to say the music was really good in this. Are oh, you talking about the score or the, or the song choices? The song choices. Well, well, yeah. Yeah, I thought you might like the song choices. <laughs> it's because you're a fucking 90s kid. Budgeted at $17 million, grossed $125.5 million worldwide. So, a great haul. When we get to the wrap-up, we'll compare that a bit to Scream because obviously everything should be compared to Scream. But, guys, before Scream, producer Stokely Chafin, uh, she was in the fifth grade. Well, how old are you when you're in the fifth grade? Uh, like 11? No. 10, 11? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And she read this book, I Know What You Did Last Summer by Lewis Duncan, which was written in 1978. Her librarian found I it for her sound. and she loved it. So, when she grew up and became a producer, she bought the rights to this book. Um, and they took it with her other producer. They took it to Mandalay, who said they wanted to make it. And then they brought in Kevin Williamson to write it. Now, he wanted to treat the story as a new urban legend, essentially. He changed a lot in the book. Now, there was another director called Jamie Blanks who put together a sizzle as an audition to direct because he really wanted to do this film. But he got his sizzle in one week too late yeah. and lost the job, which is really terrifying to know as a director. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, we are going to be talking about Jamie Blanks in a few weeks because producer Neil Moritz, who produced this, remembered him and then used him on Urban Legend instead. Mm. So, we'll be getting to him. Yep. Now, Kevin Williamson had already met Jim Gillespie. Everyone, when you watch the making of these and interviews, everyone remarks on how handsome he was. Like, including uh, Stokely Chafin, who bought the rights to this book. She was like, she's just like fawning over him whenever she talks about him. It's like, well, and also he's very handsome, which didn't harm him getting hired. Can you imagine being into dude and go, yeah, we hired her because she was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be destroyed. <laughs> now you would. Back then, you probably wouldn't have. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they got Jennifer Love Hewitt first because she was a good property off of Party of Five. They wanted pretty people, but who could act? Shocking. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and they wanted them to be likable. They felt a lot of people in slasher films weren't that likable. Um, and there was a bit of the divide. The director and Kevin were more interested, particularly the director, in not making a genre film. He wasn't a fan of slasher films. Uh, <laughs> he wanted to make just a good... He thought the script was, this is a good story with moral elements in it, and I just want to tell a good story. Whereas, the, of course, the producers were like, no, we want to make mm-hmm. a slasher film, put more blood, put more nudity, like do all the stuff you got to do. So, they actually asked oh, Jennifer no. originally to play Sarah. Sorry, to play... Uh, yeah, Sarah. That's the name of the character. I get muddled <laughs> No, Helen, Sarah, you mean... Sarah. Uh, is that Helen? The one that Sarah Michigala plays. Yeah, yeah, Thank you. Oh, I guess you said Jennifer and Helen. I mean, Jennifer and Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Same thing. So, they wanted Jennifer <laughs> to play, yeah, the role that Sarah Michigala plays yeah, yeah. Um, in this. But she really resonated with Julie yeah. Moore, which she I like that. Not it was a good choice. Lead. Uh, she just felt that that was more her character. <laughs> it does fit Thank her you. naturally a little bit It does. More. Yeah. So, I didn't go through the cast list just because we've already covered the main people, which mm-hmm. are those four kids. That's mm-hmm. pretty much it. They really like Ryan Felipe. Uh, is it Felipe or Ryan Felipe? I never really know. I don't know. I think it's Felipe. I don't know, yeah. really. We'll call him Felipe. 
for the rest <laughs> of the podcast. They liked him as the, the jock. It's actually written more as a traditional jock, but they liked him because he doesn't, he's not a jock in real life. And he's quite, like, he's got a good body as he shows off in one scene in particular, but he's mm-hmm. pretty, it's a scrawny body. It's not like a, you know, built yeah. body. I like that. Um, so they liked That's kind when of you texted things. me last night, Eric, Al- Eric Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Eric Alex. Then they wanted an everyman. <laughs> so you're kind of Tom Hanks guy. So they got Freddie Prince Jr. Because they're like, this is the perfect everyman. Mm. Makes sense, right? Yeah, I guess. And Sarah Michelle Gellar was actually the last person who they got. She was in Buffy at the time, but she wasn't quite huge. Like Buffy was going to get a lot bigger. It's beginnings, Buffy wasn't the kind of huge thing it became. So it took them a little bit of convincing, but they, they liked her for that in the end. Uh, she actually originally auditioned for Julie. Um, so her mm. and Jennifer basically swapped roles. I think it fit perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to call it Buffy throughout the film. Okay. It's easier. Yeah, the film was shot in 50 days from March the 31st in 1997. Uh, about seven of the 10 weeks uh, took place at night. So, these are like seven weeks in night shoots, which was pretty hard for people. And we got some other little facts, but we're going to sp- sprinkle them in as we go through the film. Yeah. So, guys, we start as most horror films in the 90s started with a helicopter shot mm-hmm. of either the woods or a coastline. Yep. <laughs> We're set to some pop rock. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really liked it. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the ocean and then the yep. road and then the cliff yeah. and then that song. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it that it was like a clean title as well when the name came up. It wasn't like... yeah. Crazy little it's effects. A big font. Yeah, a big yeah. font. It was just very clean. And even like the color, the the just the, the mood, everything was perfect. <laughs> I mean this I mean this trope really became was. heavily overused and still is to this day. And I'm not gonna claim this film started it because it certainly didn't. But this was in the sort of the apex of when it suddenly just like exploded with doing this with nineties horror films. And it does look beautiful. I have to say, like of all the beginnings where they do this, this yeah, the lighting's just right. The DP yeah. doing a great job. Very smooth. Because this is before drones, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's very smooth. Chopper so work. Smooth. And then in one shot, they circle around. Like, they get riding close on this kid who's on yeah. this, uh, sitting on this uh, edge of a cliff. And it's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. I was, imp- I was impressed. I was You're impressed. impressed. <laughs> well, then my favorite thing is normally these films do that, but they have, like, a huge like soundtrack element that's just blaring which in here the song's playing but actually it's the sound design for the waves is the thing that's like getting louder and louder and louder Mm -hmm. and i really like that because it brings this sort of sense of place and a sense of your connection to okay bad things are going to happen with the water in this film you know which i like and then the song turns seamlessly into the score which is really cool Mm -hmm. like it literally like sort of fades and then the score's pulling in and it's using the same melody and the same beat but it becomes score, which I thought was just a lovely touch. And these are the little things that when you're watching a film, you're like, okay, well, I know A, this has some money, and B, these people are thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is appreciated in a slasher film when people are showing some thought. And I think like with this one, just even just with this intro, and yes, it does use that sort of helicopter coastline trope, but if you're sort of putting it up against Scream right away, it's immediately clear how different the tone is. Which I really, really like that you, you, it really sets the tone immediately that it's going to, that it's sort of, oh, how can I describe it? Like, I don't know. It, it already feels a bit more mature. Yes. Cooler. Scream just drops you. I mean, Scream is like you get the phone ringing mm. and then it drops you into her picking it up and she's making a popcorn and you're fucking in. Yeah. You know, like Scream hits the ground running. Yeah. 
in a kind of Tarantino kind of way. This is like, no, we're going to draw you in yeah. and get you in the mood. And like, it's, it's got a more of a slow burn feel to it for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, this kid is sitting on the edge of a rock face. He's spinning a little locket that says, I love you. I love you. you. I love you. I didn't know if on the other side it was going to say, I love you not, but I don't think it just says, I love you on both sides. I think yeah. so. It's like, then why have a spinny thing? <laughs> it's like, what's the- there's no because that side says fuck off. That's young. I wonder love, if man. you spin it fast enough, it like it like oh. uh, does something. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I had a necklace that if you spin it fast enough, you could see it or something. Maybe that's what it was meant to be. On one mm-hmm. side it said I, whatever you, and the other side said love, and you spin it and they connect or something. I don't know. I didn't notice. <laughs> and there's little things here. Like he looks up. There's the sound of a fireworks, and he looks up, and that lets us edit into the town that's nearby. It's very Dawson's Creek town. They yep. got a Fourth of July festival going on. Mm-hmm. I fucking love the fish hats. Yeah. I love the town. I yeah. love the town. I had to look it up to see where it was. Does anybody where know? It? No. It North is Carolina? Southport, North Carolina, yes. Yeah. And it's in a real fishing town nice. that has actually a real big 4th of July party every year. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, so and I feel like on the real if, if, if you're a Dawson's Creek fan, which came after this, you can, you can already see the links with like kevin williamson's work yeah. and going back and there was like parts of me watching and i was like ah oh, could you imagine if this was in the same i'm, I'm getting like expanded universe <laughs> nerding out I'm like <laughs> imagine if this is in the dawson's universe like that's really cool <laughs> that's what i used to say to you. i mean the problem is now everyone hates dawson's creek now and i know what he did last summer but my argument at the time was when quite a lot of people like dawson's creek but they weren't necessarily a big fan of this film i was like but it's dawson's creek but where people die like yeah. that sounds great <laughs> yeah because i wish most people in dawson's creek would die at some point so. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i love the vibe i love the production value here i like the little details the fish hats like the fish fates uh that we're going to get later just like this town loves their fish they're mm-hmm. fucking all over it and we're at the Croker Beauty Queen pageant, uh, which Sarah Michelle Gell is there. She's going to win it. And we're going to find out that she's Ryan Felipe's uh, girlfriend. I love this tiny, tiny stage Bowen. and like little mm-hmm. hall. It's all just so yeah. compact. It's, uh, it's cool. <laughs> she wants to be an actress. We're going to learn. Um, Ryan is incredibly proud of her. She's <laughs> oh, screaming. It's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> and then- uh, That's Fre- my girlfriend. <laughs> Before that even, Freddie Prince- says to Ryan Felipe, I didn't realize she had such ample breasts or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I like, thought that was said. He says that to his friend so about his friend's yeah, girlfriend. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. With his girlfriend next to him. Yeah. Well, I say that about your wife all the time to you, Alex. <laughs> yeah, <you> sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so to be clear, to get this out of the way, because we had a text discussion point, I used to have the biggest fucking crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt because of Party 5 and then going into this. To the point where I bought all of her albums, which oh I'm my God. very ashamed to say. Which, yeah, she was doing albums before Party of Five. It's crazy. Which Alex couldn't quite believe that the one she did when she was, how old, like 18 16, or whatever? You guys or, said? No, 16 was called Let's Go Bang. That's, <laughs> That's so crazy. It's insane. <laughs> it's fucking insane. I have to watch these. No, you really do. It's, it's quite After terrible. this. But she has some good melodies, but yeah, whatever. But there is a thing to do with her acting that while I'm watching this, people listening, someone very uh, involved with our company is a guy called Tamaro Ishida, who you might have heard on some of our podcasts many years ago. He would always refer to a type of acting called dirty acting. And I don't know if he ever talked to you about <laughs> it's this, such Alex. A, it's such a dad thing. Yeah. So interesting. Jennifer Love Hewitt is all dirty acting. It's like What does that mean? It's a certain, He found it hard to describe, but I completely understand what he's talking about when he would like talk about certain people. Like, it's... 
she's selling everything by selling herself. And I don't just mean like, yeah. you know, sexually, but it's like, well, now I'm cute and now I'm thoughtful, but everything's like in this sort of like, now I'm being super serious and depressed. And it's like, there's no, <laughs> it's just like a cartoon of different flavors, mm. but they all come from the same cute place inside her. Like she mm -hmm. can't not just look cute and bubbly no matter what she's doing. It's so funny. You know like. Yeah, like being very aware of that. I think I write it later in on my notes of just like every time she comes in the room of just like that sort of like when she just plays that furrowed, furrowed brow and kind of looks around. It's, like it's the same expression every time. And yeah. alongside that, which kept- So, Bethany watched this with me last year when we were doing Scream and she watched parts of it this time around. But the thing that we kept laughing at each time- revisiting this film also is um <laughs> freddie prince jr has this constant dopey open mouth expression that he always does <laughs> which is just it's so insane. hilarious he's just like huh like he's like he's open mouth just like so dopey looking this sort of like dopey puppy dog face and it's hilarious it's once you spot it it's just hard to not see it. No, every I yeah, saw no. it. Oh, I saw it. I saw I was like, it. Please close your mouth. Please, but please, please. Growing up, I loved Jennifer Love Hewitt. I loved Party of Five. I loved this movie. I just loved. I was obsessed with her as well, Al. Not only you, but <laughs> me too. I guess I didn't. I didn't do my research. I didn't know she had music and all that stuff. But anyways, <laughs> I thought she was so cool. And I haven't watched her since I was a teenager. So it's really interesting to see see a movie with her in it again, you know, and mm -hmm. to actually, it's just such a different experience. And I actually really still like watching her. Mm -hmm. I kind of like her acting. No, no, I agree. Like, I still find her very watchable and I enjoy it just because mm -hmm. she is very likable. Like, what they went yeah, through, someone so pretty likable. And I think she's likable for me. Like, that's obviously yeah, me subjective. Me too. And watchable. And they said there was a moment when they did a casting with her when they called, like, she had to do the scene when she's outside screaming and just going, like, come on, like, why won't you, you know, what are you waiting for and all yeah. that stuff. And then as soon as she finished, mm -hmm. she, like, broke and just started, like, her smile that she does where she can barely see because she's squinting so much. <laughs> and they were, like, it's so beautiful, her transition between, you know, just her natural yeah. smile was so yeah. captivating. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, I completely get why people hate her, though. That's all I'm trying to say is, like, I get why people hate a lot of the acting in this film and her as your lead because... She is this, I mean, she's ridiculously, ridiculously pretty. She's ridiculously kind of buoyant throughout. Let's be honest, whatever they're dressing, all the people in it, her breasts are out of control. It's yeah. <laughs> like, it's insane. Both of them, her and Sarah's. Oh yeah. my God. So like, I get why I got people a complex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm glad I'm not, I wasn't an actress in the 90s because... <laughs> But like, no, would insane. have been screwed. The thing that you really get that I really like in this sort of opening sequence as we move forward from this um, uh, pageant. We're not going to. We're staying in the pageant. <laughs> is like, I really love Kevin Williamson. It's like at this time, we, we saw it in Scream when he introduces the ensemble. You see it here. You see it in Dawson's Creek. Just has a real effortless and natural way of riding like teenagers, I feel. That like the way they interact, mm -hmm. like that, that I think, you know, you can highlight, oh, maybe they're not as strong actors as them, blah, blah, blah. But, but with the casting and his writing, it really works. The chemistry becomes really very clear yeah. very quickly and you and do easy. like them. Yeah. And it's easy. And I feel like it's effortless and you sort of, you really, I felt like I really liked these people right away. 
and I could have said overlooked those There's just moments. a naturalness to it. Yeah, and I, well, and I think really it's cool. like in any film, you're not creating a real world. You know, you're trying to make people believe the world you're creating. And I think Kevin, when he's at his best, which I think this is one of you know, mm-hmm. his best, he he does make you believe his world. And I think mm-hmm. these actors, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I get why people might hate his writing in this. I get why people don't like them and her being a final girl. But I think they're actually very good at what they're doing. Like, if yeah. you're into what they're doing, I think they do it very well. I think this yep. ensemble of actors, are, they're all good actors to varying mm-hmm. degree. I think Ryan Felipe is the best actor here Hands from down. his body of work. Really? I like, oh, you mean at that time or just in general? In general, time. in terms of like, yeah, from proof of other work as well, I think he can actually act, you know. Where you don't Jennifer think Sarah Hewitt, can? She would probably most, I mean, for sure, Freddie, the prince is at the bottom, way at the bottom. Yeah. Like, he is the only terrible actor. Well, yes, here. yes, I know. There was, especially at the, uh, towards the end where they're having that final conversation with oh. each other. Oh, God. He's it so killed bad. me. I've got right here in my, in my notes, very, very early on, Freddie Prince is clearly the weakest actor of the four, <laughs> but it all works. <laughs> I mean, I would- yeah, I would change him, but <laughs> I would be happy to have him replaced by a different actor, but uh, but whatever. So, anyway, yeah, we're learning here. Ryan Felipe plays with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. She wants to go off and they're all like at the end of their school year. She wants to go off and and move to New York and like be an actress and all this stuff. Uh, Jennifer's meant to be going to some college. Her boyfriend is the prince and he's going to some other college apparently. So, they're going to try a long distance relationship. They're at this 4th of July party. Sarah Michelle Gellar is like Buffy's sister in this. She's got an older sister. She's a fucking terrible person. She's mm. so mean. So terrible. So yeah. mean. But, you know, I mean, didn't you recognize her from a lot of things? Yeah. 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 So, I, I I looked, I checked checked her out. She was she in a ton of things, well. but then she stopped acting <laughs> 2008. Really? Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> but she was in a ton of things, actually. Yeah, no, she's fine in this. But I just find it, I mean, I don't have siblings, but all this, I mean, I feel like. They're not that mean, geez. Yeah, because she's just. It's mean. So mean. I know. It's not a playful mean. It is Mm. just It's just mean. Yeah. And then we meet Max, who we're meant to think is creepy because he's really into Jennifer. And yeah, Ryan Felipe is just a complete dick to him. So, I'm immediately starting to not like Ryan because I'm just yeah, like, okay. Yeah. The thing with uh, Max, who's played by Jonathan Galecki, who had went on to Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. fame, if anyone actually watches and that Roseanne. show. And Roseanne. And Roseanne, obviously. Yeah. This time, he was not coming off the back of Roseanne. So, I don't know if it was because of Big Bang now, but I was like, oh, is he playing a nerdy character? And then the way he gets bullied, but then it sort of really shifts later that he's like this cool- tough guy kind of thing but then he always seems to crumble when ryan felipe bullies him i don't know it's weird i thought it was yeah we'll a, get weird that, dynamic. He's a weird character arc. he's 100 percent there just to be a red herring like that's the only reason mm-hmm. his character exists mm. is you need someone to point a finger at but which doesn't last for long no no the four of them head to dawson's beach oh what <laughs> <laughs> what is it really called Dawson's Beach? Yeah, that's yeah. what call oh, it called. Oh my go god. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> uh, so Alex expanded universe confirmed. Yep. And he owns a lot of real estate, that boy. <laughs> like he's got a good inheritance coming his way. So yeah, they're telling the urban legend of the hook, <laughs> which obviously ties into the fisherman in this with the hook, and arguing about how it's told. There's a little bit of postmodernism here. We're getting there's a little bit of the scream vibe in this film but not much like for the most part this is played just straight 
Yeah. Which I think you definitely can tell in some ways it's based on a book because of that. Because if you wrote this fresh at that point, it would have to have way more postmodernism, way more poking fun at itself and knowing what it was. Here we get a little bit of that. And then she talks about the hook being a phallic symbol and all this stuff. So we're starting to like dissect slasher films a bit in it, but not too much. And apparently Williamson, Ken Williamson here wanted to let the audience know what they're getting themselves into. It's like, I want you to know you know, to do with the hook. And I wanted you to know, with, you know, that we're creating a new urban legend here, essentially. Like, that's what we're setting up. <laughs> yeah, I had written down here, why can't the prince ever shut his mouth? <laughs> yep, that's what I wrote it as well. <laughs> yeah, constant dopey open mouth expression. <laughs> yeah, I'm really loving this slow burn too at this point, that there haven't been any kills. There's no sort of like, mm-hmm. and that they're talking about urban legends and that's mm-hmm. how it's sort of setting up the kind of these events yeah. that are going to unfold. It's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And the way that scene was really, sh- that w- was shot was so beautiful with them by the campfire and then the crashing waves in the back. Yeah. So loud and dramatic. It was pretty cool. This director and this DP have not made things look this good. I don't think ever again. Like it's <laughs> this film. No, That's but why I surprising. was so shocked when I looked up the director that he, that he didn't do much after this. Cause I thought I, I don't it was really why. good. He made money with most of his films. Venom was a big bomb. But like he had, you know, he seemed very confident, very thoughtful. I'll be honest, watching the making of kind of put me off him because he seemed, Mm. we'll get to it, but very revelatory about certain decisions he made in this, which he was very proud of and very excited about. And I'm like, they're just slasher tropes. You were like, you're so out of the slasher world that then when you reinvented these tropes, you got excited about it. But Mm. if you just watched some slasher films, you'd know these are just normal things you do. Yeah. So that urban legend part is really interesting, but it does hit the button on that is is Freddie Prince Jr. saying that it's a real life incident and then there's a beat yeah. and he does this super cheesy smile, which is just like, <laughs> what are you doing? It's like you're waiting for an actual sentence to come out that finishes the scene and instead <laughs> yeah. he just goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And everyone's all creeped out. I really don't like, like, they really got me so far. Like, I'm enjoying almost every moment. Mm-hmm. I really don't like everyone suddenly creeped out by, oh, oh, it's a real story. Yeah. And then suddenly all looking at each other like, there's no fucking way Ryan Felipe is freaked out by some fucking urban legend that he himself was telling. Like, it's it's a little forced. Um, but then Buffy and Ryan are planning their future babies and European trips and <laughs> rehab. They're just so good. They're so good together. They are. They're pretty good. They really are. Uh, whereas the prince and Jennifer are planning a long distance relationship. And then, guys. <laughs> he yep, flowers her. When a lady takes off her shawl. <laughs> And it was just out of the blue, too. Like, what did he do? He touched his heart and then she automatically took her shirt oh, off. I what was, was that? He wasn't touching his heart. because she asked Is that him, what that was? Yeah, because she, well, fuck, what is it? She asked him something and his reply is, but we don't get a clear shot of it because we're from his back. It looks like he's touching his heart, which yeah. is a bit worse. I can't remember what the question is, but it was like that. It was something like she was worried about him going to college and yeah. him falling in love with like a tattooed shaved oh, head yeah. girl or An something. An alternative girl. <laughs> and then he said something like, no, I would, something, I don't know. Because my uh, heart. Then he t- <laughs> Yes, something about his heart. So then- so then she starts to remove her shawl. Automatically. Immediately, immediately jumps in and goes, are you sure? If I was with a girl who took off her shawl and I presume that meant sex, I would get fucking hit in the face. Yeah. Hey, Alex, you want to take your sweater off? Yeah. <laughs> Guess what I'm in the mood for, guys. Oh, boy. You better watch out, Al. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, the, I mean, it was a little funny. 
<laughs> it was really funny, but I do appreciate it. And it, this, these are the things that I mean with Jennifer Love Hewitt's face, which Alex was saying perfectly. She's got like two faces. Mm. She's got the sincere one and the bubbly one. And that's it. And she'd like go from like the playful to then like sincere, yeah. which can be seductive. It can be I'm depressed. It can be like a whole <laughs> world of things for her. So they've all finished having sex on the sandy beach. You know what it is actually um, thinking about her acting <laughs> and thinking about those expressions. It feels like- Someone that started acting at a very, very young age, like as a child actor. Mm. I never kind of went through that development maybe of like real life experience or specific training that it, that it becomes almost second nature of like, oh, this is how I access these expressions or feelings. So, it's like a very kind of ingrained, yeah. but not necessarily like it's- lived in or field kind of thing. Yeah, not from her because they didn't start from a place of experience. It started from mm. instructional. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think you're right. I think she did start when she was y- really young, though, right? Yeah, yeah, she did. So I, think I right. heard that uh, her first big thing was uh, she sang at a livestock show in Texas when she was five. <laughs> Christina, <laughs> you are just blowing my mind with your trivia today. You I love it. Font of knowledge, I fucking love it. I, love I don't it. know if it's for every episode or if you just really love Jennifer Love Hewitt that you just know. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love this cast. <laughs> and I was just so curious to find out about, you know, what they've done since and I guess now before. Yeah. Well, should we talk about the client list? Have you watched that? No. Jennifer Love Hewitt's TV show from a few years ago where she basically works. It's so weird. It's made for like middle-aged women who enjoy Fifty Shades of Grey, I think. It's like so prudish and it's about her working as a massage a masseuse who then gives guys hand jobs and of course all the guys she who come does? In, they're like yeah and of Jesus. course all the guys who come in are like you know desperate housewives gorgeous male models who are just so beautiful and buff and then they lie down on the table and then she's talking to them and then her hand will go like what? under the covers and then you cut away it's just what did this play on I don't know. Look up the client list. It's fucking oh funny. Oh, my God. Okay. And apparently, because it was based on someone's true story, it, she, she did it first as like a serious four-parter that was quite serious, and then it became this fluffy TV show, I think. It's funny. Okay. I used to watch it because I loved it that much. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Felipe is I really do not. Drunk. Don't. Don't say that ever again. <laughs> what? <laughs> I used to watch the client list because I love Jennifer Love Hewitt so much. That's an all right sentence. Uh. What's happened to Christina? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move on, guys. All right. Don't know what happened. We'll, we'll just move on. Uh, Ryan's really drunk. He doesn't like the insipid music that the prince is listening to, and I can't blame him. Mm. Uh, so, he puts on some 90s rock pop punk stuff that yep. sounds sounds like everything from the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then sticks his head out of his little, what do you call these things? The Not skylights. Sunroof. The moonroof. Sunroof. 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 Skylight on your, a sunroof on your house is a skylight, but a well, skylight at nighttime a it's a moonroof though. Yeah, is it a su- yeah, it is. is it a sunroof? <laughs> Very true. It's it's a moonroof. Yeah, it is a sunroof, but a moonroof depending on the time of day. <laughs> Christina cracked it. <laughs> That's a youth sell cars. It's got a sunroof oh and don't get a any roof. ideas. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, what I really appreciate. So he's like out the top, all drunk, being an asshole. The prince is driving his car, which Ryan Felipe, Felipe is initially not happy about. And, and then he's he driving hit. pretty fast, man. Pretty fast. And he's just spending a lot of time just gazing 
into Jennifer's mm. face because yeah. they both just had sex, you know. Yeah. You just can't stop looking at each other after you've had <laughs> sex on a sandy beach and you're not worrying about all those itchy spots. Yeah, all that sand. And then they just hit. <laughs> yeah. Like she would not be comfortably sitting there. In that I seat. mean, come on, you're 18. Everything is comfortable at 18. <laughs> well, yeah. I think I only had sex on the beach at about 18 and it was not fun. But anyway, they hit this person straight away. <laughs> Which I really, really... No, we're going to get back to my embarrassment. You're looking like I'm going to be embarrassed with that story. You may not remember from Scream. I told a more embarrassing story with a still know what you did last summer. And I'm going to go back to it next week. (laughs) They hit this person nearly straight away. Which I Mm. really appreciate. Because normally you'd have like a prolonged party scene in the car. But no, it just like happens. Yep. Which is good because we've already had this long build now anyway. Yeah, Yeah. I say the timing on on everything has been really good. And is really good. Throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I like it. I like it for sure in the moment. I actually like it for the movie, but I definitely can understand some people's problems with it, which we'll call out a little bit, some of the timings. But for now, I think it's a good build up. They find a welly with blood on it. And then we get Jennifer's first scream just to show. Yeah, she's got it. She can Mm -hmm. do a good scream. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but I remember seeing this film, obviously at cinema, 35 millimeter print (laughs) before digital screenings, big on the cinema. And I remember not being able to tell who the body is but watching it on a 50 inch screen and blu-ray you could just see this person's face <laughs> yeah yeah what okay i could not see his face because i was trying really hard to see his face it was just really dark but hmm. he had the exact same rubber boots on and he had the exact same overall thing on same colors yeah as the yeah. guy the kid at the on start the yeah. yeah yeah they're definitely trying to throw you off yeah they did but, like, for me now, it's just, like, it is the dude who we end up finding out it is. It's just him. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even fake it. It's him lying there with some blood on his face. And I'm like, well, I could see, I can really clearly see him. You could. Which, you could see his face. I, I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could. Alex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you no, Alex? I, I, yeah, I could definitely see his face. Because I, I, that was the bit that I thought was funny because Ryan Felipe goes, his face is all bashed up or something. And it was like, yeah. it just has blood over it. You can recognize that face yeah it's just a red face <laughs> yeah it's just well, a I couldn't, face. maybe because my tv is so small i don't know i mean also it just depends on your settings how your contrast are. i guess know, yeah like, it was just really dark dark which i would definitely prefer if it was dark dark if they used mm-hmm. depth of field a little bit more if you really messed up his face would be great because I, I don't like now being able to watch this and just tell oh okay i know at least the kind of the because later on they're going to point fingers at missy and 100% from this shot, I know it's not Missy. Unless, again, it's not this person that they've killed, which we'll get to. But there's some twists with how it all plays out. So, And now we get the normal slasher staple. So this is something that 100% is from <laughs> 80s movies. We've got Prom Night as a bit of this. House of Sorority Row, this is really taken from. And then, ironically, the Sorority Row remake then took from, I know what you did last summer. That was a nice little circular thing that happened here. Where the guys convince... The final go to go along with the lie. The final the girl is going to show that she's doesn't want to do it because she's the good one who's got moral. Even though she had sex on the beach, which mm. is breaking the slasher rules, she has moral a moral heart to her. But everyone else is like, no, no, no. We've got to take this body, throw it off a pier, pretend this nothing happened because it's going to ruin ruin all of our lives. And you want to go to college, and the police are never going to believe that this person jumped out in front of our car. The prince is so, so bad in this scene. He's awful, but I still love this scene and the setup. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like, there's those moments because like everyone, like Ryan Felipe, I think Ryan Felipe does a great job. 
Like, he is clearly the best actor Mm -hmm. out of them. And, like, he really kind of creates the momentum in this scene and, like, really drives it forward. But, yeah, when you do cut to Freddy and he's just like, oh, (laughs) he's dummy mouth. You're just like, (laughs) but then it's just like, there was a point of it where I was like, okay, I'm I'm just going to view him as a dopey guy and pretend that that was was a choice he was making. (laughs) Have there ever been a scene with the prince and Chris Klein together in the same. <laughs> oh my god, that would be would amazing! That. <laughs> Two titans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they go to dispose the body. When, of course, of course, the only other character we've been really introduced to, Max, drives by, which is a little contrived. And then they pretend Ryan Felipe is throwing up. And then the prince just acts really creepy. <laughs> just mm. comes over and goes, "I can handle this situation." <laughs> I'm going to act very <laughs> creepily. <laughs> and what does Max say to him? Does he say wipe? Does he say wipe that shit? Does he, does he say he's like wipe that shit smile off your face or something like that? Yeah, something about shit. That's it. Shit eating. He's like, we'll do, Max. And then something about how <laughs> yeah, he's we'll becoming do, like those rich kids or something. Yeah, like because that. yeah, he doesn't have the prince doesn't have money, but he's hanging out with all mm-hmm. the rich kids. But you, you, so you, you know you're fucked at that point, right? When Max drives by and sees you there, you've been, you know, like people know you were there with a dent on your car, which he even sees. Mm-hmm. Like you changed But plan, they right? did a good job of showing that he was throwing up and it looked like, it did look like he was throwing up and he was just sick and it wasn't that not believable. I believe it for as the some moment, other but I just think in the future are. you're fucked. Like, as soon as they find a body, Max is going to go, hang on a second. Like, there was a dent on the car and, you know, I mm-hmm. don't know. If I was in this situation, that's the point where I'm like, we're changing plan, guys. Because someone literally just, who we know just and hates us, just came along and saw us here at this time. Mm-hmm. Doing weird stuff. And you, Prince, acted like a fucking alien. <laughs> because, um, and, and they don't go and grab the bloody boot, do they? Do they go back and get that? No, you don't see them do it, but I think yeah, it's you don't see them put him put put it in the put the body in the trunk, so he, it doesn't really matter, right? Because we don't know what happens between scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. anything. Okay, uh, they have a little you know weekend at Bernie's, like <laughs> yeah, just, he's in the back, just the back of the yeah. car. <laughs> <laughs> so they're at the dock. Jennifer says they should check his ID just so they know who he is, and Ryan says let's just pretend he's some escaped lunatic with a hook for a hand. We're getting these nice little lines, which. A are also humorous callbacks to other slasher films, but also setting up, you know, things mm-hmm. and ideas that you might have. And then the prince decides he can't do it, but then suddenly the fisherman comes back to life, so they push him in. <laughs> and he grabs Buffy's tiara, which Ryan dives in after. Yeah, because she screams okay. out. She says, my crown. <laughs> I watched half. Well, Brandon was awake for the first half of this movie. He fell asleep towards the end. But anyways... <laughs> He fell off a dock at nighttime, and there's you can't see anything underneath the water. I asked him. He says, impossible. <laughs> it is so bright under that water it when he so goes bright. under there to get the crowd. It is so bright. It's so bright. And you don't, I mean, this is the best boyfriend in the entire universe. Like, you don't fuck that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you just killed someone. And you dragged the body and you threw it off a dock and then he came back to life as you pushed him over. <laughs> you don't give a shit about the tiara. Like no, but that's incriminating. That's why he got oh, it, right? Good point. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Because if they found the body with a crown, then that's weird because it just connects it back to. That's true. That's well true. done. I mean, to be honest, 
Come on, come on, come on. Is this the first slasher movie you've seen? Come on. Al, I thought you were pro. Yeah, the stuff I've been watching, they don't look at detail. (laughs) (laughs) So the guy's down there, like Jason, basically, and Ryan Felipe's down there to get the tiara. The guy's eyes pop open and that's it. He doesn't try to swim up. (laughs) I mean, this, yeah, it's like at this point... it's like he's superhuman. He's been hit by a car, yeah. <laughs> unconscious, thrown in the water, and then opens his eyes and then watches underwater as Ryan Felipe yeah. swims to the top. And doesn't try to come up. Mm. Mm. It's very weird. So, while they were shooting the dock scene, there was like one camera angle where it was shooting kind of from the water to the dock, watching the kids. And it kind of looked like somebody might be watching them. Yeah, there was yeah, like yeah. one shot where it looked like, oh, is that somebody watching them from the water? Yeah, right. Like from a boat or something. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, I do, nobody I, I, was, I, do, I guess. But I do think the director does a good job of throwing in a whole bunch of stuff like that to make mm-hmm. you feel, <clears throat> where's yeah. the mystery going to come from? Because again, we're in whodunit territory here for sure. This is as much Agatha Christie as it is 80s slasher films. Yep. Ryan's had enough though. So he's like, make a fucking pact. None of us will ever speak about this again. Jennifer's had enough in her own way. The group splintered immediately. So, guys, top tips. If you're with a good group of friends and you like them, don't murder people and throw them over dog sites. Mm-hmm. That's what the movie's teaching us. Yep. So, as they leave, though, we see the pendant spinner on the dock, which is 100% trying to make us think, okay, yeah, it's definitely that kid who's up on the rocks earlier. Mm-hmm. I like to call them the Han Solo dice. <laughs> It is very similar to that. So we'll see in the sequel if it starts with the spinner. <laughs> so we're a year later. Jennifer's in college. She's very dour. Her roommate is forcing her to go home for the summer. They've done their best to make Jennifer look as drab and oh, as yeah. possible. I wrote that. They overdid Put the some tie oil and in her hair. They really overdid the tie and makeup. The PC bangs. <laughs> So, in the book, I'm not that far through it, but the book begins with this stuff. Like, the book begins with, like, the very first line here is, the note was there lying beside her plate when she came down to breakfast. Love it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I have to admit that. I was like, oh, I'm in. And then I read the next chapter. I was like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, But it's all about her getting that acceptance letter. Like, it's really important to her to go to this college. And the stuff that happens when they kill this person incites her then to spend uh, the rest of the time working really hard to get into this college. Like, she just buries herself in studies, essentially. Which I feel they could they don't go into really here, her intelligence and Mm-mm. sort of how she's, yeah, how hard she's working. It just kind of looks like she's depressed. Because they actually go into all of her grades have slipped. Yeah, yeah. Her, so they do the yeah. Huh. Which I thought was an why. interesting decision Kevin Williamson made. <clears throat> but what was interesting to me in that scene was... Uh, what is up with this teddy bear? Don't forget your teddy bear, Julie. I have no idea what's about to come out of your mouth each time in the moment. You was fucking... But were, were you guys just like, oh, teddy bear? I, I noticed the like, teddy why? bear. Did she say that line? No, she did not say that. But it's just was this like teddy bear that was there. There was a large teddy bear. I feel that actually Jennifer loves Hewitt's contractual teddy bear because that definitely seems like something she would just want in any film she does. Mm. No, but it was interesting because I thought maybe it was of importance because later on when we have a Buffy scene in her bedroom, there was another teddy bear on her bed. <laughs> really? 
Yes. Our designer just really liked teddy bears. Mm. <laughs> just like, yeah. I mean, was that a thing in the 90s? Brown teddy bears? I guess I had one, but I mean, I wasn't in college. I mean, yeah, that's hard to tell if that's a thoughtful character trait or if that's just lazy. It's a girl. So, yeah, I think maybe lazy. It's a girl. Yeah, which is a shame. Okay, that's it. Very nice noted teddy bear. I could have done more time with her at college. I don't know about you guys. Like for me, it's like it's very quick. We get this one scene in a room. We don't even see a quad or anything like that because, of course, budget. Mm-hmm. Even though they had 17 million, but and they just head straight back to Dawson's Creek World, which I don't get the impact of what it is for her a year later coming back because we've literally been out of it for about 10 seconds and then we're mm. back in in the same town, you know. But I don't know. It it gave well, me the feel. It like set the set the energy for the next part of the movie. Like it worked sure. for me. I mean, they had you caught up, Al, by the tired makeup that they gave her. <laughs> that's true I didn't need to know anything else I would have just like look because it's traditional in slasher films to have a from Halloween onwards to have a class scene where you're being taught something in the class that is the metaphor of what's happening in mm-hmm. the movie that we're in mm-hmm. and it's like I would have liked to have gone to that you know had that had a moment afterwards with her in the hallway and then she goes and everyone's packing up to leave you know just a couple little extra moments would I would have enjoyed well I feel like this film is constantly sort of towing between that line of of wanting to be grounded and mature and almost feel sort of thriller, yeah, whodunit sort of style, but then kind of fl- seesawing back into the teen slasher tropes. And it's yeah. interesting, like, what, what they include and what they admit, I guess. Well, yeah, again, this director didn't want to make it a slasher. And you definitely feel that in many ways. And I think that's why a lot of people don't like this movie is because mm-hmm. of that, because it's not doing the things that you'd expect from a slasher. Yeah. So her mum greets her. And she's very worried about her daughter who never calls, never visits. Her grades went down the toilet. But hey, she got mail. So, (laughs) she opens this little note and it says, I know what you did last summer. Exclamation mark. I never liked the exclamation mark. I think it's scarier if it was just the sentence. Mm -hmm. I feel a killer writing a letter is hard to make scary anyway, but putting punctuation at the end. Like, oh, it's meant to be alarming is, I don't know, don't like it. But it's a nice iconic moment. And then Jennifer just spends the rest of the night. The whole staring. day. <laughs> the whole day. <laughs> She's having a good think. I was having like, a good think. Yeah, I wrote like, didn't she want to call the others? Surely they all had landlines. <laughs> she could have called them. There's a code. There's a code in this sentence somehow. She's going to mm. get to the bottom. What does it mean? Mm. I know what you did last summer. Uh, next day, she's in an adorable little onesie dunkery <clears throat> outfit, by the way, which I forgot. Oh, what? This little onesie dungaree outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Looks great. Al's obsessed. Oh, gosh. I love it. (laughs) She goes to the store that Buffy's sister runs to find Buffy. Turns out she never, well, she did go to New York very briefly, came back. Things didn't work out for her. They purposely show Buffy's sister watching them as they're chatting, I think, to implicate her. Mm. But I have already seen that it's an old fisherman dude. I'm not feeling it's Buffy's sister, Mm -hmm. but okay. Oh, yeah, uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't read it that way. I just read that she's like the bitchy older sister. Yeah. That probably just thinks her up to no them good. And, yeah, and telling her okay. or something. Oh, yeah, you get you're going to be nefarious in some way. But I do, I do feel there's these little nods here and there. Because the music also does this sort of... Yeah, right. When you look at her kind of thing. I, I am liking in this sort of this sort of next sequence how one year later, the boat, not just the individuals are kind of affected and fractured but the relationships between them are all fractured yeah. as well i think that's a really cool choice 
that they haven't like all come back and they're like that yeah that they have really separated and fractured it's an interesting choice no i agree i agree Mm -hmm. i think how cool it would be if you could take the time and do like a a tv show 10 episodes each in the first season is kind of up to that first year Mm. and then you get the big event at the end it's just like watching a good dawson's creek and then they kill someone at the end of the season it's yeah. kind of out of nowhere. And then the next season you come, it's a year later and they're all in this splintered place. And like, yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, so they take the note to Ryan Felipe, who's living in his mansion by the sea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Very aggroed. Yeah, he thinks it means nothing. And Jennifer reveals that she knows the person they killed is called uh, David Egan. That's his yep. name, isn't it? Egan. Mm-hmm, Egan. He was found three weeks after they dumped him in the water. And they decide it might be, Ma- well, Ryan definitely decides it should be- it's Max who's sending these letters because he's the only one who saw them. So he goes to intimidate him as amazing, amazing fish mobiles, just like potter by for the, for the fair they're going to be doing. Yeah, it's that's like right. huge fishes on wheels yeah. that are just like going by. <laughs> I don't know if they spent production budget on this or if it was just part of the town and they decided to use it, but I love all this fish stuff. Well, I yep. love all the <laughs> thumb rings. <laughs> did, did you notice, notice the thumb rings? Oh my that makes God. perfect sense. Fuck, I, I was I was too distracted at this bit by the the tank tops that the guys were wearing. Both Ryan and uh, Freddie. Was like, <laughs> That's yep. right. Tank top Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> yep. I love it. Oh my God, I love it so much. <laughs> Man, everyone used to wear thumb rings, didn't they? Yeah, I love it all. So, yeah, they, he goes to intimidate him. Uh, I really like how Max reacts here. Like, it feels mm-hmm. really real mm. to me. I know you were mentioning it. I think he's great. Yeah, I like how he's just I like, like him. he's scared of him, but then he's also like, yeah, fuck off. Like, what are you, like, he's like genuinely like, you're, you're being crazy. Like, yeah, you don't yeah. feel like he he's guilty at all. No. No. And then they introduce a hook in this scene. So then the team go and they well, they head outside and they run directly into the prince who's now a posing fisherman. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Ryan bails. In a black tank top him. to counter Ryan's white tank top. Yes. Mm. Yep. See what they did there. Good one, Alex. Good mm. All one. the prince knows about his dad is that he was a fisherman. So throwing another little. Yes, like, yes, yes. And then Jennifer tells him that she doesn't blame him for what happened, but she doesn't want to know him either. And then she runs away. Um, now, we're 37 minutes into the film. First death scene. Here we 37 go. 37 minutes into the film. Kill really one. fucking late. Actually, Max, I thought I was shocked. Well, that it happened? Yeah. You were getting lulled into a Dawson's Creek world. You forgot yeah. this was meant to be a slasher. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did. I actually appreciated how much less gory this was than well, Scream. That's a good segue because Jim, the director, did not want to show any excessive gore for this film. But the producers, of course, wanted him to. And he was really against it. Once they'd finished shooting, however, the director and Kevin Williamson realized that they needed to show the fisherman. And again, he seemed really proud with this idea. What you need is to show that the fisherman is an imposing and terrifying like character early on in the film. So then you're scared about the things that he might do later in the film. He's very proud of this. It's as if he invented it. Just go and watch any fucking slasher film ever made. So they went back and then they wrote this scene with Max getting got. Max didn't get got in the original version. I don't know what happens to him. If he just fades out or what happens to him in the story. But he went back and shot, reshot this, like did this whole scene. Oh, wrote it, shot it interesting. to put it in. No one would have died here. Can you imagine how long it would feel if someone didn't yeah. die here? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of shocking. 
And he's kind of proud. Like, he's really proud of how like violent the scene is. You get a hook in the underneath mm-hmm. the chin. And Heath finds it really bloody, which again, this is a fine, it's fine. But one that's very rote, done a million times in slasher films, and it's certainly not gory. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's not a nasty scene. Not in comparison to some of the other stuff that we've seen. Yeah. It definitely makes sense now that you said that it was added in. Because mm-hmm. when it happened, I was, and sort of as it, it progressed, I was like, wait, why did he kill Max then? Mm-hmm. No, it makes was no it sense. Just, was it yeah. just to fuck with them? Because, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. He kills a bunch of people that make no sense. Yeah. So we get a slasher shower scene, but not a girl, which I love it. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> he's at the gym showing yep. off his beautiful abs. Beautiful. And then he gets a Polaroid of his car with the note, I know, written on it, <laughs> but no exclamation this time. So just, no. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly like that, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have what I can only call a bizarre car scene, which has never been my favorite bit in the movie. I don't really like it when slasher villains get into vehicles that much. It's a very mm. hard thing to sell. But I guess because Ryan was... Well, it wasn't really his fault, was it? But whatever. Because they hit him with that car, he wants to hit him back with that car. And what's even weirder is he takes him down and then you think Ryan's going to die and then it fades to black. That fade is so weird. So weird. So dated and just a weird choice. <laughs> Which I would, Has that ever happened in a slasher kill scene before? Like, it fades to black. And then, no, well, it's because it's not a death scene. He didn't die. He's in a hospital. Mm. No idea what happens in between. It's it's kind of, it's a weird, I mean, it feels, I don't think anything was taken out here, but it feels like something was taken out and changed because it's mm. kind of weirdly handled. Because if this was in Scream World and he'd been attacked and he'd survived, we're talking curfew by now. The town would- David Arquette. David Arquette would be in <laughs> the immortal David Arquette who could survive any attack. <laughs> could you imagine that? Could you imagine oh, that crossover David. if David Arquette came into this town? As if a, he was the cop, yeah, as Dewey. Oh man, man, if the cop, was, the cop in this one was really bad. Oh yeah, yeah, they could yeah. have used David. We get it. They could well. have used David. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so they decide it must be a friend or family member of David Egan. And then they find out that Susie Willis died of drowning in a car wreck two years ago. So, this was David's uh, fiance. He was driving at the time. So, there's something else going on here that are not quite triggering to And they yet. figure this all and out then, on the uh, net search on the yeah. computer. <laughs> it's, for, it's for like the library because there's no Google really in mm. 1997. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jennifer remembers because it says David had Susie's name tattooed on his arm. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer's like, oh, yeah, I remember. I saw this. Oh, was it Susie? I kept writing Sarah. I don't know why. Because they didn't show it when when they showed him. So, we have to have her just throwing in a line. So, this feels like something that was written later <laughs> of her just what throwing in the line of like, oh, yes, I saw the tattoo. No, I saw it. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. When she, he was lying on the really? dock. She looked at it at, yeah. on the dock. Yeah. Well, the mm-hmm. camera. Okay. Okay. As her eyes looked at it. Oh, I missed it. I think I was taking notes. Now we get a song by Adam Cohen, which makes me happy. This is how I learned that Leonard Cohen had a son who wrote pop songs. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> this is him. The girls head off to see David's mother and sister, or they think it's going to be mother and sister instead. It's just the sister who is creepy as fuck. And uh, Hesh. But yeah. And, and Hesh. 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 I think uh, she's great. She's I like her. Mm-hmm. She's really great. The stuff she does she's with really her hand. Good. Yeah. Yeah. 
She's really cool. It's all over the place. And she was just told to make it creepy. So she just tried to play creepy, basically. Um, so they're pretending to have car problems. They give each other different names because they don't want her to trigger onto it. And then they run into a fisherman slicker, which is going to become slicker. Most of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing about Anne Hesh here is that she's creepy, but it's still really believable in a way that are like, oh, maybe she's just like fucked because her brother died. And she yeah, thinks it was suicide, like, like, and lonely, like, it's just yeah. something really lonely. cool about it. Yeah. Yeah, there is something really cool about it. Um, Also, I mean, I thought it was a really bad idea for them to go try to find Egan's family members to talk to them. Like, who, yeah. Why? Yeah, no, I agree. What are you going to say to them? This person, one of these people might be the ones out to kill you. Why would you, what are you going to say to them? Don't yeah. go to their house. Are you going to apologize? Tell them yeah, it was an accident? I don't know. I mean, it ended up being a good idea, but at that time, I was like, what? Why? Yeah. That's a bad idea. No, I agree. I agree. I think they're making a lot of bad ideas, but I'm believing it just enough. Like, you have to suspend a lot of disbelief for these films. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, it's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that bad. It's not that yeah, bad. Yeah. It's not like making me not no, go no, with no, the no, story, no, no. but it is like, yeah, I, I would not do these things for sure. <laughs> but I wouldn't throw the body off of a dock in the first place. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh. Yeah. They learn that's how you should really choose your friends. Do that test. Um, personality <laughs> test. So they learn that David's family all fell apart after he died, so we're adding in this extra layer of guilt to the to the, to the girls mm-hmm. and the group. And then they learn that there was some guy, an old friend, they think of David's, who stopped by soon after his death to pay his respects, and then Missy dated him for a little bit. They were sweet on each other for a couple oh, minutes. Yeah. Kissy kissy. Billy sweet Blues. And I immediately thought about ray did you really immediately yeah do you think that's because you remembered it subconsciously or do you really like no i just thought about him because maybe it's just because of the way he was acting all the bad acting maybe i just thought it was um i thought it's just thought he was guilty he just seemed that's i don't know even when the when max died with the fisherman hat and the slicker i thought about i thought about him billy blue I was thinking their reaction to when she said his name was Billy Blue, reacting as if that, like, it's so obviously not a real name. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. that's a real name. There it is. Yeah. Billy Blue. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, thought, just- I, I immediately thought that too. So, yeah, I thought it was Ray. And I guess, you know, I was pretty on it. Well, there's just, there's more heart to this film, I feel, than most lashes, which is what I'm liking about it. Like, we have this lingering shot on Missy to implicate her a little bit, but you do feel mm-hmm. her loneliness as well. She's very needy for friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I didn't like, feel like she was guilty. No, but it definitely, I mean, for sure, later when you get her with the knife, which is out of nowhere, but yeah. But it's just heart to this, to this, which I do like. So, Buffy's telling Jennifer that she misses her, but Jennifer's closed. I liked, emotionally. I really liked that moment when she's like, what happened to us? I miss you. Yeah. It was a, yeah, it, that's what I mean. There is some real little heart here. Oh, which yeah, yeah. That was really, that was really good. Because mm-hmm. I think some people think 80s slashes, you know, even bad, terribly written, terribly acted ones are way better because there is a character to them. But I think that's different from heart. Like, that's a heart of, like, people are excited to be making these movies and they're just mm. enjoying themselves and, like, trying things. And they're not necessarily got all of the tools or the money or the talent even, but they're really into it. And that's great. And I appreciate that. This is, this could feel cold and clinical. But I do think there's some genuine heart here in the writing and Definitely. what the actors are doing. Mm-hmm. So, Buffy, she's at home shooting a Diet Coke commercial for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> which is just ludicrous. It just goes on forever. You'd never get away with this now. <laughs> like, never. 
Uh, while her dad's watching a ball game and doesn't even notice that she exists. Yeah. I wrote here, Kevin Williamson dads. They either leave town during a curfew or are just oh so absent God. and don't realize there's an intruder. <laughs> oh, that's so right. Oh, it's true. He hates it his parents. True. Yep. He I mean, really at least in, at least in this one, you get some of their, like you see some of the parents, whereas in Scream, you see her dad and then that's, yeah. you don't see any other that's parents. It. <laughs> David Arquette's the only parent of the town. The fisherman comes in. Nice shot as he's walking upstairs and into a room just as she turns the corner up to the stairs, which I thought was kind of cool. Yep. So, you know, he's up there somewhere. And then we get a changing scene in her bedroom. No nudity. Worth pointing out for slashes. And again, these are some of the reasons 80 slasher fans hated the 90s because they took out all the nudity and all of the gore and all that stuff. Buffy's sister teasing her about her hair. Now, I want to implicate- I want to say this again. This is her older sister who's mm. a fucking asshole. Like Just shitting on her. Maybe if it was her younger sister, I could buy it. But this is her older sister. Well, yeah, you know, maybe- know. Yeah, I don't know. What I did like in this scene, though, <laughs> and it's just a small little detail, is how the kind of- The teddy the bear? No, not the teddy bear. <laughs> it was actually the ice skates. I like that the camera kind of keeps- it's it sort of like it kept framing it. Uh, maybe it was just me that noticed it. It kept framing it so that my eyes kept going back to the ice skates. And you knew the guy was in the room. And I was like, oh, she's going to get sliced up with her own skates. But it didn't happen. I did not mm. notice that. Yeah, but I, I, but I just did, I liked that little detail. It was just like when we came in, it was like it was just the way the room was lit. It was like the ice skates were prominent on the wall. And then later on, it was framed. And it was like they were right there again. And it was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice she gets into bed, falls asleep. Again, we're thinking there's going to be a kill here because we know the fisherman's there in her closet because we've had a breathing shot, typical sort of slasher breathing shot. But it just, again, fades to kind of black as she goes yeah. to sleep. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And then she wakes up and her hair, I thought it was falling out, but later on they say it's been cut out, mm. which means he's crept over her with some scissors and just delicately tried not to wake her as he cut some of her hair out. Probably like laughing to himself of mm. how hilarious a prank this is going to be. And then put the crown on her head. But yeah, put a crown on her head and then wrote on the mirror soon in red lipstick. And you're just like, why not now? Yeah. But he's waiting until 4th of July, apparently. <gasps> yes. Which I think right. technically though Makes it sense. is by the time she wakes up. Yeah, Jennifer it is. rushes it is. over to yeah. see her because she's all freaking out. But then she can hear something in her boot while she's driving. So she opens it in the <laughs> middle of the road, <laughs> finds Max's body in the boot with crabs crawling all over him. You got crabs. A little bit of not great acting here from Jennifer as she freaks out in the middle of the road, which goes on a bit too long. Mm. Got it a little earlier. So did you guys read the uh, the trivia point about that particular scene? No. Don't think that. So- uh, story that Jonathan, uh, Johnny, Jonathan Galecki recalled was that they made a body cast for that scene of him, obviously. And he got a call later. The production had shut down because Jennifer Love Hewitt was so upset by seeing the dead body cast of him. And he had to call her and reassure her that he was okay. Shut Jesus up. Christ. Come on. Shut up. Sounds like bullshit. No, that's not true. Is it? Probably I mean, not. Is it true that Alex read it online? Yes. Yes. <laughs> is it true that someone said it? Yes. Yes. Did oh it my god, that would Meh. be crazy if mm. it actually really happened. I don't I, know. What I don't understand is if they added that scene of Max dying, then what was this? Because they auditioned Jennifer Love Hewitt with this scene. So who was meant That's to be in the boot true. of his trunk? What did they shoot? Like I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery. Nobody knows. 
So, yeah, she goes to get Buffy and Ryan, who are Buffy. So, Ryan's comforting Buffy because she's had her hair cut out. They come to check her boot, but Max and his crabs are gone. Impossible. I mean, that's, yeah. Come on. All, there's so many freaking crabs. No. And it's like so clean and put together. Yeah. <laughs> and there's unless no smell he put that they react to. A tarp, unless he put a tarp down, put the body in with the crabs, and then all he had He's to do was close the, the tarp back up and pull it out. I know. Anyways, I did <laughs> remember did this. this? Um, I would have loved it if like in the background you see him dragging the body. <laughs> <laughs> trying to hide yeah it's a little it's a little much but i do remember this uh jennifer love hewitt screaming in the middle of the street yep uh, this was part of the trailer I think. super memorable and uh, yeah yeah it's such a good scene yeah i think this is in the trailer and kevin williamson is gonna rewrite it again basically for jamie lee curtis in h2o uh, in an even better scene but maybe. <laughs> also what the fuck is buffy wearing in this <laughs> insane what was she, she wearing a little crop remember. top with like a sort of little vest and this? then a weird sort of beret hat oh yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right she's yeah, that's embarrassed right. about I, you know hair. what i i did love all the outfits so i do gotta say i loved it's it crazy so to go to the prince ryan clocks him did you notice this with his broken arm that's in a cast yeah i was wondering i didn't rewind it but after the punch i was like wait what arm did he punch him with 100%. I, I did rewind it. It's with his broken arm. I was like, what? I think it's just a, he's a very hard man. Mm. Jennifer says that she thinks the killer's Billy Blue and the prince looks intrigued. Oh, my God. Not intrigued. Like, oh, how do you know who Billy Blue is? Oh, my God. What the hell? And I was like, <laughs> it has to be him because it's just so, what? I just Freddy, couldn't could we, uh, fathom it not being him. Could we just tone it down a bit there, Freddie? <laughs> <laughs> just dial it down. Just let's get a bit more nuance. <laughs> I feel like you'd ask him to do something or like, yeah, can you do a question? Let's just try mouth closed for this thing. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, good note, good note, good note. And then you do it again and you'd just be even even wider open. <laughs> and then you're just like, what do we do? <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> So, yeah, so they look in David Egan's yearbook because they're like, his friend must be in there. And then Jennifer's like, let's take this yearbook to Missy so she can identify who is the guy she got kissy kissy with. But the prince doesn't want any of it looking very dodgy. So, Jennifer's like, I'll go to Missy. Buffy and Ryan, they're going to go to parade. Prince can do whatever he's doing. Yeah. Because they're clearly still setting him up as the killer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got Christina. They got me sold. Locked you down. Sold. Buffy sits in a little clam that's just going down the street <laughs> while Ryan is sitting on the front of the float for no no reason that the public would discern he should be sitting on the front of a float for mm-hmm. as she's pointing out men in slickers that he can chase after until Buffy sees the real fisherman just posing on a roof with his hook in a way that everybody in the street would see. You know, it's interesting, the fisherman's slicker look, and I'll, I'll probably say this at the end when we talk about what we think. Like, it does it because it's this seaside fishing town, it really it blends immediately. Like, it does, so it doesn't make him feel as mm-hmm. iconic of a horror slasher villain slash monster. Do you know what I mean? To me, anyway. Because it, it, I feel like it blends so realistically with the town and the environment that it, 
I kind of feel the opposite. I mean, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying, but I kind of love that it is something that's organic. I like mm, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that they can use it. I think it's cheesy how to use it a lot of time, but I, and I think they could have done more with it. But I do like that it's an organic part of the town that then, you know, he wears it way high up. I don't yeah. like that you can see his face quite a bit. I wish they darkened, darkened it a bit more with the lighting or put like, you know, a black netting across his face or something that's meant to be shadow, like perpetual shadow. Mm. I love the idea of how it's organic in that sense. I just feel that with other franchises, you could say the the name of the franchise to someone, potentially someone who hasn't even seen the franchise, and they could immediately mm-hmm. recognize Ghostface, for example, sure. Freddy. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. He's not as iconic. I mean, I think the Fisherman is known, but yeah, certainly not as iconic as the big mm. ones. Definitely not. And I think part of that is because, yeah, you don't see his, like, it's down to you not seeing his face. Yeah. Whereas most villains, you have a mask and it's like, okay, we get to look at you, but we're not looking at you. Whereas with him, it's like, no, it's all about shadow. Yeah. But I, I like it. I like it. I, I liked it. Why do you hate the film, Alex? Yeah, Alex. Well, you'll find out at the end. You'll find Where's out at the, the end. Where's the love, Alex? Where's the love? You'll find out at the end. So, meanwhile, Jennifer's chatting with, with Missy. Who's gutting a fish in her yard, I think. Oh, wait. Sorry. I just needed to say here. Yeah. Ryan does run after who he thinks is the guy. Yes. Tackles an old man who I think has a heart attack and dies. (laughs) Kill two. Yeah. I know. know, Right. (laughs) Okay. He pushed. Yeah. It was so aggressive. He pushed this other person (laughs) that wasn't even really in his way, like down. And then he jumps on this guy. (laughs) And he turns around and like, okay, so this is your moment. Poor guy. He's like, oh, 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 oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then Ryan's Poor just like, oh, man. <laughs> Which okay. also, when you do find out who the fisherman is, not far off, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. it's not. <laughs> like, it's not. Pretty close. So, yeah, she goes, she's talking to Missy, who's gutting fish in the yard. I think this scene apparently was completely reimagined by the director who put it all outside. I think it was meant to be in the house again. But he was like, no, let's do it outside. Let's have it doing this stuff. Let's put these crazy. It, like, it looks like the hills of eyes out there. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But again, fish is a motif. She fucking comes for Jennifer with that blade, though, in a way that's just ridiculous. So, Missy thinks her brother killed himself. This is the twist that we're getting. The whole town blamed her brother for the death of Susie. So, he went to the clifftop that we saw him at the beginning of the film to kill himself. And mm-hmm. he left a suicide note. But when G- Jennifer's given the suicide note, it's clearly written by the same person they've been getting their ones from. And it says, I will never forget last summer. The name of the sequel that they have yet to make. <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> tells prequel. Missy, this, this is not a suicide note, yeah. It's a death threat. And she says, she, she admits, like, we killed your brother. It was an accident, blah, blah, blah. And, and she's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. He definitely committed suicide. And then Jennifer's like, no, no, no. He even had Susie tattooed on his arm, to which Missy just quickly, flippantly says he, he didn't have a tattoo on his arm and then walks off. Twisty, Ooh. twisty. Mm-hmm. Jennifer's Could it putting be? it all together. They it's didn't kill David. Cool shot as Buffy and Ryan. Uh, we could get to see them through the backdrop of the beauty pageant. It, like... The lighting changes. Yeah, that was really cool. Translucent. Mm-hmm, that was really cool. They bonded again. They're getting kissy-kissy. Yeah. But one hour, 12 minutes in, Ryan gets got. Of course. Kill two, Barry. Of course he did. Which if they hadn't added that Max scene, that's how long it would have been till the first proper kill. Amazing. An hour and 12 minutes. Which even for a second kill was pretty crazy. I really, I really enjoyed this bit, how you're sort of getting... Buffy's uh, perspective on the stage. So, you're getting the, the stage lights shining down on her and, and as they move, she gets the vision of the balcony and then it kind of gets blurred again by the light and you yeah. sort of see Ryan Felipe and then you see um, our killer 
lurking behind. But you might notice Ken Williamson's going to do it in Scream 2 when Nev Campbell is doing stage stuff and the lights keep getting in her eyes. That's tragic. The cop takes Buffy home. This is Christine's favorite cop. Wait, but come on. Why? Why? If you are screaming... I don't even remember what she was saying, but she's screaming that whatever Ryan got killed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Why the fuck would that crowd come in and block her from moving? Like if she's insane or something. I know. Having a mental breakdown. Like I saw her murder. Everyone was like, oh, God, crazy again. Yeah, let's go. We got to keep her back. Keep her back. Classic second year pageant syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't want to relinquish the crown. Classic. Oh my god. And it gave me so much anxiety. I was so angry. <laughs> oh man. Jennifer's back in the library again searching Net search. <laughs> files with David. And then <laughs> the cop like so the fisherman apparently has put out a, a blockade. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, isn't even a blockade, it's just like Well just a, one a little post. block. Yeah. yeah. So the cop's like, oh, Gonna have to use the alleyway. The alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> so they go driving down this alleyway, and then the car, the fisherman's also somehow procured a car <laughs> with the lights. <laughs> and he's just working on the car, and the cop goes, "Oh, I better get out and help this guy fixing his car." <laughs> Who just looks like someone out the back of their house, just tooling the car. It's not even a car in the middle of the road. It's like in a designated parking spot. And mm. I guess this is also very similar to Scream, where uh, I forget who yes. was stuck in the back seat of the police car, couldn't get yep. out. Which is a much better scene. I love that scene in the in the in the police car. With that was a lot car. scarier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh. Is that Scream 2? Yeah. Scream, Scream yeah. 2. Yeah. Where the cop gets impaled. Or like his yeah. bar goes yeah. through his head. I think that's Scream 2. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Cop gets got. Now, he wouldn't have got, sure got fisherman- if, if uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar didn't scream at him and make him turn right? around. He probably would have gotten got, though, because he was pretty not, not the smartest cop. Yeah, he true, wasn't true. the smartest cop. He's it's pretty a pet lapsed. peeve of mine, which is going to happen even worse later. But it's a pet peeve mm-hmm. of mine when people call out something and then people just go, huh? yeah. and then just keep looking. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? Yeah, <laughs> and someone creeps up behind. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, I don't know why the fisherman's killing Max and this cop, but whatever. And then Jennifer learns in this same moment. We're cutting back and forth that Susie was also survived by her father, who was a local fisherman. But um. So okay, so at thing. this yeah. moment, Benjamin I thought, oh, my Wallace. God. Yeah, and I thought, oh, my God, um, Prince is, is his son. Oh. So, they were doing it together. Sense. I thought you were about to say the Prince thought. was the father. No. <laughs> it was, uh, he was Susie's brother. I mean, that, that, that is totally. Because, remember earlier, he said that his father was a fisherman. That's all he knew. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's a nice... That's a, look at you. You're like a little detective. You're like Pikachu. Maybe. Buffy runs to her sister's shop. Now, oh. this is a long, protracted scene, which I really like because this is a, this is the only real proper slasher scene in the film. Even though it's not that much violence, it's like it's a proper long chase scene. Her sister finally, after being a bitch, finally decides to sort of help a little bit. Slowly. Uh, nice very, shots. very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> She gets got. Now, they in the reshoots, Kill they four. also did the splash across her neck and a splash of blood on the window. That wasn't even there to begin with. That's how sensitive he was with blood. Wow. Because her sister was such a bitch, I wanted 
her sister not to die so she could live with the remorse and regret of her younger sister being killed and how much of a yeah. shithead she was to her. Yeah. But no. She got killed. I like it. I like it. <laughs> but I that bit where she was dragged, like fish hooked and dragged, it's just like a small, maybe three second shot, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. no, I, it, it's all good. But it's just, again, this is just like, he's really here to direct to talk about it. He's so proud about the Austin's reshoots. They wanted more blood. <laughs> I didn't want more blood. So I thought, you know, why not shoot from behind? And then the slash, the blood will go on the window. And he's so proud of it. And I'm like, dude, it's every fucking slash film yeah. that can't really afford physical effects. And you could afford practical effects. Uh, but anyway, it's fine. And then we get a very traditional scene of the shop having lots of mannequins with fisherman slicks on them. And yeah. tarpaulins and over the top of that as well. And it's not too drawn out. This is similar to what Ken Williamson would do with Ghostface when he's in the costume Yeah. Cupboard. Yep, that's exactly. yeah, what I wrote. Scream exactly. 3. Yep. Not similar is exactly the same thing. <laughs> Only again, not quite as good. Like the fisherman just jumped straight out. It was too fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, it's because she looks across. <laughs> and you could see it. And he's just standing there. And all I can think is... This fisherman had to get a tarpaulin and very quickly throw it over his head and then mm. stand very still <laughs> while presumably internally giggling. Like it's, but I mean, it's, it's all fine. It's just, yeah, it's not quite to the level of some of those scenes in screen. Yeah. So, Han, we get a scene with Buffy in this winched elevator. This was made up on the spot because they found it on location. This sort of elevator, you have to like pull the winch on to like get it going up and down. And then Kevin Williamson would write this again into H2O uh, in a slightly different way. And eventually Buffy escapes out the window, falls into some rubbish below because there's always rubbish below. Mm-hmm. And she's wounded. She goes hobbling through these alleys, which actually apparently was only one alley, which was redressed three times. Whoa. Cool. To make it sort of. And again, the director was very proud of this. <laughs> It looked like, good. Okay. I mean, it was I mean, a it good, does, but it's- good chase scene. No, it was good, but it's just it movie was. making. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. In Star Wars A New Hope, in the opening scene, uh, George Lucas built an L-shaped set so that when the Stormtroopers and Darth Vader are raiding the Tantive Four, um, it looks like they're going through multiple different uh, hallways, but it was an L-shaped set. I think you just saved that, <laughs> save that fact for when we revisit all of the Star Wars films. What? <laughs> Excuse me? She's out. Uh, fireworks are going off. I, like, I do like this whole setting, the 4th of July thing that's going on. I really um, like and this. And I really bit. like this, of this parade starts passing by mm. just a few feet away from her. And so their intention close. here, which I think they're good with, is that they thought you, you were meant to think she's actually going to get away. Because this scene yeah. goes on for so mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, maybe she's actually going to make it. And then, nope. No. So close. Yeah, I, I, I love that that sense of people are just like feet away, but there's so much noise and there's so much so much going on that no one's going to hear her screams and then the lighting so with the fireworks. So many black like, tires. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yep. Uh, so Jennifer gets to the prince on his boat. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Jennifer gets to the prince on his boat. She tells him, they killed Ben Willis. Ben Willis? Ben Willis. Not as good ben a Benjamin. name as Cotton Benjamin. Weary, but still pretty good. <laughs> Nothing is. <laughs> Nothing is. Uh, he could have been He could have been tied into this universe. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Ben Willis, Susie's father, because Ben Willis killed David Egan, and then they killed him. 
So that's what she's positing now, which we have backup because right at the beginning of the film, when we saw this kid on the on the uh, clifftop, he heard something behind mm-hmm. him. Yep. Uh, and then he looks up. So what we're actually cutting away from is him getting presumably pushed or whatever by mm-hmm. the father. Yeah. The and then the father had the necklace. Yeah. So he was there. Yeah. And then yeah. he dressed in that kid's clothes or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, they both were wearing the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. The hell. This is a problem, man, when, when you have uh, capitalist stores opening everywhere. Everyone wears the same stuff. True, true, true. No individualism. My favorite line from the prince in this film, come aboard. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the come aboard the Billy Blues. <laughs> it was ridiculous. He's trying to be sincere. And he's like, come aboard. Yeah. That- know, otherwise, you would not be allowed. <laughs> yeah. My boat. And then he's all welcoming and it's made to make us think that he's actually the killer. As she notices the boat is called Billy Blue and everything she just learned, all that logic, all those puzzle pieces that clicked perfectly mm. together, it's thrown out the window because she's like, you're the fisherman. It's like, well, that makes absolutely no sense with anything you just learned. But sure, let's go with that. Um, Christina, are you still thinking he's the son then at this point? So they're working together or something? Yeah, still. Okay. I figured he had to do something because it's just so weird. <laughs> you think, you think, right? Because <laughs> watching it back for me, I was trying to remember my initial reaction all that time ago fucking hell and it was uh, for me like it was it almost feels like the double killer set up again to scream i was like oh is that the angle they're gonna play yes yeah yeah i do remember being ready for that that's what i remember i barely remember last Mm. week i can't remember 22 years ago yeah but yeah i do vaguely remember because of scream you're prepared for duo killers you're prepared for anything you know, with these films, particularly when it was sold as from the creator of Scream, which it was originally before they got sued and had to take that off uh, because Miramax didn't want that. So she runs, the prince runs after her off the boat, and then he just gets fucking clotheslined mm. by a guy in the alleyway who's all hidden in shadows who tells her to get on. No, boat. don't get on the other boat. Don't. <laughs> Making bad decisions. Also, I need to know how do you spell clotheslined? Is it clothes as in plural or clothed? Clothes. 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 As in plural. Yeah. Someone gets clothes lined. It's a weird, weird word. Clothes line. Clothes, clothes line. Because it's the line just, for the clothes. <laughs> clothes line. Let's just do this. For- <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, right? <laughs> clothes lined. Clothes. Lined. Clothes line. <laughs> There's no line. Lined, the not lined. Not lined. Oh, yeah, clothes lined. lined. I get like, it. Like as if he got clothes lined. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> this is a journey totally worth taking. I don't know. <laughs> um, then when she's on the boat, she finds all these newspaper cuttings and photos about everything and them. And then we see he's untying the boat, setting it out to sea without her noticing. And then we see his face. He has the spinning pendant. It's an old fisherman dude. It's the guy whose face we saw at the beginning. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> it's the one who they killed at the beginning and was Jason underwater and not dead. And even if you didn't see it, it doesn't have that much impact. I mean, the twist does for me. I like the twist in this. So I'm going to say that in my wrap up properly. But but the, the actual reveal of what he looks like doesn't mean as much because it's not someone that we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh my God, it was that person all along. It's, oh. You're you're new. <laughs> um, okay. That's fine. what you look like. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, what I really love is the prince then commandeers his own little boat <laughs> to try and to try and get out to them to help Jennifer. 
We have a chase scene. Yeah, it goes on for quite a long time. A long time, yeah. Yeah, which is fine. We need something like that here. It is traditional, but I don't, I don't like, and I've said this every time, I don't like when you get to see the killer's face and then we're just with the killer's face for ages because there's not much scary to me about some old fisherman. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Like, uh, I mean, I, uh, I didn't, it didn't make it less scary for me. Really? Well, I guess, like I guess it would have been more scary if I still it. didn't see his face. And You're right. You're right. It would have been more scary, but I don't know. It was refreshing to see his face. Like, I could have gone with just the face right at the last second. But it was something they did in the 90s all the time. Like, Scream, you know, you have, you find out who the killers are. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. with them for quite a lot at the end of that. Mm-hmm. You know, with all of them, really. Because it's like a new character. Yeah. I know. I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. Like, I need, I would rather not see his face clearly for a good 10 minutes that we got here at the end of the film. I'd rather he was kept in shadows or in something. But um, it's like the truth came out, you know? It's, we're I know, dealing with I'm the truth for that now. For the end, but it's just, it's just, the, uh, my problem, and this will, yeah, again, we said with Scream, but, but with these 90 slashes by those last 10 minutes, they're just thrillers. They're just like TV movie thrillers because it's just some dude chasing people around a house without a mask or anything. And normally teenagers, and I'm grateful it's not teenagers because teenagers I really don't find scary. If this had been Freddie Prince Jr., <laughs> I would have been fucking furious. It would have been very much like Scream if it was Freddie Prince oh. Jr., very much. I would have been mm-hmm. so angry. Yeah, it was nice that like he, yeah, when you compare it to Scream where you had Matthew Lillard, Lillard who was like so over the top and like kind of crazy and kooky at the end that this was a bit more, like it felt a bit more human, I think. It did, yeah. No, it did, but what, yeah, what, but it was just. It is still the thing of normally you get to see someone, you're like, oh, you pulled the wool on us because we've been with you the whole time. This is someone we don't know. This is someone who we haven't spent time yeah. with. This is just a killer. This is like a Jason, and that's fine. But then Jason's got to be scary when you see his face, you know. When Jason, you can, and his face is a mask most of the time. It, when it comes off, it's you know, something else. But it's a different type of thing. It's not a who done it. When it's kind of tricking you with a whodunit when you couldn't have figured out who it was from a cast of characters that you're with, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas with Scream, you know it's one of them. Whereas with this, it's not one of the players. But there actually aren't that many characters. I mean, there's only four main characters, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. And then a few side characters. So Jennifer screams at the prince. <laughs> I fucking love this. The prince is yeah. like on the boat going up against the fisherman. <laughs> she screams at him huh? and then he just turns with the most ridiculous expression. <laughs> And then gets punched off the boat because of her <laughs> screaming. And <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Come on, people. So Jennifer then gets chased around. She's in, I think it was jelly or something that was made to look like ice. Ice. I thought that was pretty cool. Like the underbelly of the boat. Um, yeah. All the dead bodies and all the ice and how she had to maneuver through that. I thought it was cool. I liked all the boat stuff. Yeah. The body yeah. reveals were, were cool. Yeah. I and didn't think it was meant to be though because I didn't think the models were that. It was all of them. It was I like... I know, but it didn't really look Yeah, like the them, first one, like- the Sarah Michelle Gellar one didn't look like her at all. The yeah. Ryan Felipe one, I thought, was getting closer. But better. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I like the idea and I like the vibe. I agree. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the prince is doing some Cirque du Soleil shit on the mast. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have a little fray ensues and eventually the fisherman gets hoisted up by his arm, which then gets severed off. Mm-hmm. And he falls into the ocean. Yay. Apparently, Kevin Williamson's father is a big sailor. So, before, as he was writing the script, he went to him to like show him things with boats and explain stuff to him. 
And then he wrote this scene in because it like was the cool thing to do. And then when his dad saw the film, he rang him up and was like, that's not how it would happen. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and that it, right it there, listeners, was an actual soundbite from Kevin Williamson's dad. It, yeah, well, it was very nice of him to guess. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah. Please lock the door on your way out. <laughs> <laughs> So, we're setting him up perfectly here as a proper villain for sequels, right? Because he doesn't have a hand anymore. You can just put that old hook right on that severed hand. Oh, mm-hmm. And you've become uh, the urban legend. Yep. Did you I just realize that, Christina? Mm, yes, <laughs> I did. Oh, my God. Blew my mind. I just, again, for me personally, I just need to not see his face in the future. That's my problem. It's like, I just need, all right, mangle his face up with the fucking propeller blade of the boat or do something so that he gets, becomes a proper slasher villain yeah. rather than just an old dude who's not that old and he's very spry. Very <laughs> yeah, spry. Very spry. Um, the prince. <laughs> I love that bit, actually. This is just rewinding a little bit where, where um, Jennifer Love Hewitt's scrambling for the flare gun. And then it like cuts to a shot of him like up on the deck, just like looking down. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so goofy. Yeah, that was a goofy. It was. So the print the prince and Jennifer are all snuggling, and then he tells her he tells her he loves her. Mm. To which she replies with, I understand your pain. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a no, Fred. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> almost as bad as the friends. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> and then the police are there. They pull up a fishing net, but all they find is a severed hand and the hook. They say, don't worry. They normally turn up. A year later, Jennifer's back at college. She's in a shower scene at last. Lots of cleavage, but no nudity. But fucking hell, ton of Yeah. Oh, my God. Now they like. Propped up her boobs in the towel. It's just like so ridiculously over the top. Out of control. It's I'm out li- of control. I'll be honest, a little bit scared. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so out of control. Uh, she gets some mail from her original roommate. It's meant to be, but it's in silhouette because I think they probably couldn't bring her back or something. I don't know. The mail looks like it's from the fisherman, but psych. To go with 90s terminologies. It's just an invite to a pool party. Yeah. Nice bit of misdirection. I never got invited to a pool party my whole life. If anyone wants to, mail at weirdgeeks.com. I will come to your pool party. Are there pool parties in England, though? The weather's not really sort of- In <laughs> LA. Oh, in LA. <laughs> I think it meant when you were growing up in England. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, sure. That might be. Let's pretend that's the reason. Nice misdirection here. She goes to the shower and then sees written on the shower- Again- this fisherman is a true stalwart of the slasher comedy, like what's happening behind the scenes. You imagine all the things he has to do mm. and like sneaking around and writing on fucking mirrors and all that stuff. He writes, I still know on the glass door. We hear the spinning pendant. He breaks through the glass, jump cut the end to Cooler Shaker's hush. Yep. You remember Cooler Shaker? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Sing a bit out. <laughs> Sing a bit of hush. Yeah, pretty big in the 90s. I like this ending. I like to still know. And I like that that's legitimately going to lead into what the sequel's called. I think that's cool. Yep. And there you go, guys. The original ending had Julie chatting with Ray online. Can you imagine such a thing? She gets a pool party invitation and then another person starts to chat with her online, typing, I still know, online. And then the killer from who knows where just jumps out on her. No, Uh, no, no. This is better. 
If you want to see that, apparently it was used as a teaser trailer for the sequel. Oh. However, that's not the teaser trailer that I remember for the sequel, but we'll get to that next year, next week. But apparently it is out there. And again, the film is very different from the book. The characters' names, them hitting someone with the car, and the characters' names are pretty much the main things and the note uh, that remain. But in the novel, they hit a young boy who was the brother of one of Helen's friends. And nobody dies in the novel. There are no killings. That uh, makes it's sense. It's just like a thriller kind of you know mystery thing yeah and then the egan house was used as the haunted house in the conjuring it's the same place oh cool it was yeah. a good house really good house yeah. it was pretty cool uh and lastly my last little fact here is that in 2008 10 years after this film jennifer love hewitt still claimed that jim was her absolute favorite director Aww. interesting probably hasn't worked with many good ones real middle <laughs> I would like to imagine now that The Conjuring is also in this universe. Well, we might be getting to that later on in the year, but we'll see. Guys, thank you for joining me throughout that journey. Let's find out how you felt about I Know What You Did Last Summer. And particularly for Christina, if she hasn't seen the sequel, what she's hoping is going to happen next week. Well, I actually have, I don't know where they're going to go from to from here. I don't know. No. That's the idea. Everybody's That's dead. <laughs> Everybody's dead. I don't know. I have no idea. It could be anything. Do you want the same know. people back though? Or do you want new people? Do you want to be in oh, Dawson's I Creek d- land again? Like, what? Yeah, I do. I want Sarah back. I want uh, Freddie back. No, you not Freddie. Freddie, Freddie, Freddie. No, Freddie is still there, right? Yeah, I know. I want Ryan. I want Felipe. We're I want dead. Sarah and Felipe back. But Both I dead. mean, so I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't see it. I, I don't know. How did you feel about I Know What You Did Last Summer? I really liked it. I liked it more than I liked Scream. And I wasn't Whoa. sure. Yeah. Oh, spoilers. 100%. Oh, am I not supposed Scream? to say that yet? No, no, yes. no. You can say that. That's fine. That's fine. I liked it more than the original Scream. Wow. I really wow. liked it. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to kind of be like Scream, how I thought it was better in my head. And then when I rewatched it, it was like, that was good. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was better. This? No, she sounded at the time. She loved Scream at the time. This, I don't know. Maybe I have to rewatch Scream <laughs> 1 again. But I loved the cast. I loved all the characters. I, you know, I love the 90s nostalgia. Is that how you say it? I love the outfits. Sure. <laughs> I thought it was simple, classic, basic. It was mm-hmm. cliche, but everything added up. And it was fun to follow and the writing was good and it was really watchable and entertaining. I give it an A+. Very nice. So are you excited for next week then? I am excited for next week. I don't think it's going to be as good though. Okay. I'll tease a couple of things about next week as we like to do at the very end of the episode, but we'll wait. We'll wait till then. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed revisiting it. It was great. Alex, you've revisited it quite a lot. Is it starting to wear thin for you or are you still enjoying it? Yeah, no, I really like this film. The tone of this film more than Scream, I think. I think just because it feels more mature and I, and I do like that balance of, of sort of being a bit more of a mature thriller, but still very much being in the, in the slasher genre. And I like how they balance that overlap. I think Kevin Williamson's writing is really great. I think it's it's yeah, this is him really at the peak of his powers and I can sort of see the progression from Scream into this and then into Dawson's Creek. This is very much Dawson's Creek world, as you said at the start, but with a murder 
and I and I like that. I think I think it just all feels very believable in its own little bubble, um, which I really like. And and as much as we kind of poked fun and laughed at some of the acting, the casting really works. They all fit and mesh together, um, and there's a really good balance between them and what they all bring and how they work with the dialogue. I love that we sort of see them as this tight knit group, but that that they become really fractured and distanced from each other a year later and kind of have to sort of bridge that gap in in their relationships to sort of figure this crazy scenario out. I love the slow burn of this film, that they're, it's not sort of like a kill fest throughout and that it's, uh, yeah, that it builds very slowly. I think some of the choices are a little bit forced or just a little bit odd, like Max's killing and then having him in the trunk and then, yeah, the kind of the necessity to have other kills outside of this group doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. Like, even though you could say, yeah, he's trying to get these people out of the way, but it doesn't necessarily fit his, I don't know, it just it felt a bit weird. But yeah, there's a lot about this film that I really like and really enjoyed watching again, despite some of its its flaws or the things that we sort of poked on at throughout. And then, like, the challenge for me has been detaching myself from my nostalgia and the reasons why I may have liked it as a kid and, and clinging to that. But sort of watching it now, yeah, it's not perfect, but but I enjoy it. I really did. Yeah. I had some other point, but I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> it was too late now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, chime in. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, going oh, back to, God. <laughs> to to Ben Willis. So, the, the yes, it, for me- I, I mean, I like the overall look of him as a killer with his slicker on and the hat. And when, yeah, when it's raised and the hook, it just doesn't have the same residence. Um, but but it's also the way that it's played, I guess. And the fact that they are making it believable and, and grounding it more in, in this world. But it doesn't have the same resonance as some other slasher villains for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, uh, what I want to say is really to, I want to be the voice that is talking to the people who I know hate this film. Because if you hate something, you hate something. That's your right, and it's subjective, and I totally respect that. Like, it's not going to try and change anyone's mind if they don't like it. But for the people who don't like something because of things that I feel might be, you know, prejudices towards certain things, and and like you're saying, we might like something because of certain prejudices as well, just like nostalgia and whatever. I do feel that this film is unfairly criticized for a whole bunch of reasons, and I think it's because yeah, it was very trendy to hate the '90s slasher films because even Scream One, uh, some people. But because they were seen as just lots of money with pretty actors who mostly from TV coming in, very sort of bland filmmaking that was much safer. You didn't have the violence. You didn't have the nudity, like all this stuff. And I get that. I love all that shit. I hope if anyone follows me on social media, they understand how much I love that shit. And anyone listen to our previous series will get that in any of our previous series. But this film, I'm just what occurred to me watching it this time. This film isn't meant to be a Friday 13th film. It's not meant to be a burning. It's not meant to be Slumber Party Massacre or even Prom Night. This is more like, and we covered it in our last series, April Fool's Day, which some people love and some people hate. This is a polite, slick, really nicely made, decent acting other than The Prince (laughs) film that has some really good twists. And that's the thing I always remembered about this movie is it's not simple like the rest where it's like oh this is the killer it's it's kind of you know the rug's been pulled out from under you and here's the crazy reason for why they're doing what they're doing it's all there in this film and again i think you can tell some of those elements from the book i'll see when i get through it for the wrap up hopefully but it's much more complicated than people remember 
Like, what's really going on here? Like, there's a whole bunch of things happening to make this happen. And sure, some of them are too contrived, but but I really like that about it. It is more thoughtful. It's a different type of slasher film. Um, I really like April Fool's Day, so I really like this. Um, and I think this is better than April Fool's Day. I think, again, this is, I yeah, I prefer this to Scream. Uh, but I can completely understand and appreciate that I think Scream is a better film than this. I do. I think Scream, um, but Scream is just, it's louder. It's, mm. you know, it isn't a Nightmare on Elm Street, Street film. Whereas this is, yeah, a politer, quieter film like April Fool's Day. Like they're doing very different things, even though they're occupying some of the same spaces. And I do think a lot of the successes with this film are because the director really was putting an effort for his first film. He was thinking about things a lot and he was trying to not make a slasher film. However, I think a lot of mistakes with this film, other than The Prince, were also the director doing the same thing where he didn't like slasher films. I would definitely prefer this film if there was a bit more blood and invention in the kills in this film uh, and one extra kill maybe at least. I would enjoy it a lot more as well if I didn't have to yeah, spend 10 minutes seeing an old fisherman chasing someone around a boat at the end of the movie. Uh, but I have that same problem with Scream, well, all the Screams. It's just a problem that I have with the 90s movies is that so con- they're so into, here's who the killer is, and this one didn't need that. Like, you needed to figure out who it is, but it wasn't a reveal where we needed to really see who they are that much other than for a second, because it doesn't matter. It's not someone we've been spending time with. It's not a big revelation of, oh, it was you all along. You know, mm. we just need the information. Whereas in Scream, one, you know, it's a big deal that it's, oh, we we thought you were one of our friends and you fucked us over. So I for sure have problems with this movie, but I really like it. I think it's, 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 it is just like you guys saying, it's a little bit more mature. It's a little bit, it's definitely more slow paced. Um, and it's not for everybody. And if you're into a slasher for the gore, the fun, the nudity, this isn't the one for you. Definitely not. But if you can appreciate one that's just a little bit more, easy to watch like i don't find this ever scary i think i mean katie told me a story just before she left uh today this was the first horror film she ever saw and she was maybe 11 or something or t- no 11 or 12 or something and she was her sister had rented out and she was kind of watching it through the reflection of a mirror because they weren't allowed to know <laughs> she was around the corner trying to watch it and it got to the bit where they hit the body and she was like this is too intense for me <laughs> and went straight to bed and it really like she has very full memories of this because of that yeah i guess if you're really young maybe this will creep you out but this isn't a scary movie no that's no, not yeah. that bad no it's not about that so i understand why people hate it for those things and i understand why people might hate it for 90s tropes but i i'm into a lot of that stuff i'm very i'm fine to go with it and I don't need every movie to be lots of blood and lots of boobs. I'm happy with this one being what it is, and I enjoy it for that. Um, so, yes, definitely I like. I know we did last summer. Recommend all summer. round. Yes. All lots of yes. thumbs ups. Three nice. thumbs up. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way to start a series <laughs> for sure. We'll see where we get to next week. I'm going to hint to that in a second. Again, please. Head to wearegeeks.com. Please listen to our old podcast. We've done a whole bunch of them and we do all of them for free. And really, really take those 30 seconds to go to iTunes and just rate and subscribe. It makes a huge difference. If you want to know uh, what we're making, then you can follow us on social medias, which we'll tell you in a second. But also you can go to starfishmixtape.com, starfishmixtape.com, where right now you are still in time, if you're listening to this as we put it up, to get tickets and go and see some of the end of our theatrical tour. I'm going to be there for a bunch of it. We're going to end in LA. And for a couple of LA dates, who knows? We could have most of us podcast people could be there. Uh, Maybe Christina, maybe Alex, maybe even the legendary Nate. (laughs) We can't be sure. So please do come say hi to us. Come chat to us. Come see our film. Support us that way. 
uh, that'd be very kind. I'm Mr. Al White on all the social medias and also on the video game platforms. If you want to play some of that Apex Legends or ride a pony in Red Dead whenever they patch it enough that I want to go back in. Uh, Alex, how can people interact with you? Find me on Instagram or Twitter at Alexander Chard. Yay. <laughs> and if you <laughs> want to tell Christina that you know what she did last summer. I am on Instagram and Twitter at underscore hi Christina. Hi, Christina. So, Christina, I mean, this is on, this tease is only really for you because Alex knows what's going to happen next week. I'm going <laughs> to give you three little tidbits. You ready? What? Give it to me. I love your little teasers. Number one, the prince will return. Well, I knew that. I knew that. Oh, yeah. Number two. I mean, I figured. You're going to get one of the first ever performances of Jack Black. Yep. Oh, really? Tick. Yep. And number three, all I can say is somewhere in this podcast, one of the three of us, one of the three of us, Gave a big, a big spoiler for next episode. Well, the hand. Mm, is that what it is? what it is? Not going to say what okay. it is, but one okay. of us gave a big spoiler for the for what the ending of the next episode is going to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to okay. it, guys. Next week, I still know what you did last summer. Until then, we're out, geeks. Geeks. Geeks.